Yo, this is Conan. You're listening to World of Wrestling Podcast with Tax and Rich. Boom. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the World of Wrestling Podcast. My name is Rich, and as always, I'm joined by my good buddy, Tax Williams. We're tired, boys. I know we say this a lot mm. on the pod, but I'm, I've just gone through an hour of trying to put my daughter to bed where she um, wanted me to stay in her bed. And so to try and get me to stay in the bed, she decided to stand on my neck. <laughs> She'll make a great pro wrestler one day. Um, she's uh, she's rough and tumble. She had her first stage show this weekend. Uh, she was perf- mm. at four. She was performing in The Wizard of Oz. Ooh. Um, and when I say performing in The Wizard of Oz because of COVID, um, at the little drama school she goes to, she stood underneath at the school a sheltered part while me, my wife, and the other miserable parents sat on wet chairs in a freezing cold car park in the pissing <laughs> monsoon rain. I say some pissing it down today, yeah. It was horrific, but in fairness, you know, for a six-minute show, Harriet has had more applause than I've had in my entire wrestling career, so she's done Aww. all right. <laughs> <laughs> and your first, uh, like, school play or whatever, what were you? Do you remember? Do you know? I can tell you, well, first of all, I can tell you many good things about my, because, you know, I'm a theatre goer, I'm a theatre performer, I've been in many musicals and performed at quite high levels at a London theatre. But sure, my, yeah. Hey, <laughs> fuck you! I sang solos at the London Albany Empire. Yeah. Depends what you can. What down? Yeah, okay, go on, carry on. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, at primary school. My first role was in a school circus show where I missed my cue, and the, I remember the teacher said, and also some other acrobats because me and my friend had missed our cue, and I think it was like three rolls forward, two rolls back. One roll forward, another roll back, another roll forward. But we hadn't judged the edge of the stage <laughs> and fell off. <laughs> oh, I was taking bumps. How old? Like four, five? I think it's like six or seven. But then okay. the uh, primary education. So this uh, listeners from not in the southeast of England with the education system at primary where you finish at sort of like, like nine, ten, eleven. So that's when you're sort of the cutoff before you go to secondary school. Well, I was in year six. It was an important Christmas play, but two people, Rich, were ill. So not only did I have to do my part, I also, because I was the only person who could speak and write in my primary school. How many people did you poison to get this part, are you saying? Hey, I already had a part. I just had to play two others. So in that Christmas play, I played three parts. However, you thought the falling off the stage was the most embarrassing. No, 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 no. Because even though now I am an upper middle class piece of crap, as you would likely uh, call me, but in my younger days, as I've made mention to on the pod before, my family did not come from money, including my father, who managed to secretly remortgage the house three times about my mother knowing and spending all the money on motorbikes. I love these stories. Oh, your dad was a right one, man. He was a right one. I mean, I think, I mean, it's, it's very sad to say. I'll get back to the theatre study in a second, but as we're on my, uh, the wonderful financial play of my uh, departed father, um, the yeah. day before he died, I think he knew he was going because he sat down with my mum and had a heart-to-heart talk and he said, but you're going to be all right, Emma, because you've got all the pensions. They're all still there. You'll be looked after. Day after my dad died, I'm going for all the paperwork. And I said, Mom, oh, brilliant. I found all the pension stuff. And I looked down and I was like, hang on a minute. He's cashed all of these in. <laughs> He's had all the money. <laughs> this is the first story you ever told me about yeah. your dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, apart from the fact they lost him when he passed as well. Like, oh, my hell, God. But, but yeah, that was so- quite a weekend, wasn't it? <laughs> fun pod wasn't it (laughs) oh but um but anyway yeah so we didn't have much money growing up and one of the christmas plays 
I was in at primary school was I had to be a Christmas tree. So it was a case of it had to be green jumper, brown trousers. I was a tree once. You love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah. Well, the problem was for life, bro. (laughs) The problem was, and again, this is at a time as well. We're talking like the the late eighties when this happened. Mm. We, my mum couldn't afford to go and buy me any brown trousers or shorts or anything like that. So what she gave me was a pair of her brown tights. To wear at this school play. Now, the worst thing was... Heady a time. <laughs> the, the worst thing was, like on the day of the play, as we were getting dressed, someone came into the classroom and waved a pair of brown trousers and said, does anybody need me? I turned around and put my hand up and the teacher looked at me and went, nope, no one needs them. And I thought, you <laughs> bastard. <laughs> so all these other well-presented children had to stand on stage in their lovely trousers and green jumpers. And I stood there in my mum's pair of brown tights where you could see my pants and my green jumper. <laughs> Merry fucking Christmas. Oh, I love it so much. So much, man. Killing gender norms before your time. Before it was cool. <laughs> before it was allowed. <laughs> uh, but let's move. Let's fast forward into present day. And again, we won't dwell on this too much. But um, Nah, let's keep talking about this. This is much more fun. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, I, I can't Go remember I ever mentioned the story of my dad going missing on the pod. <laughs> I think you did. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure Brilliant. you did. I think it was maybe like real right at the beginning, but yeah, <laughs> you can tell it if you want, mate. I mean, we've got quite a lot to get through. No, <laughs> it's we've got quite a story. We've got a well. Okay, well, long, long and short of it. So I had to um, after my father died. We <laughs> making it sound. Oh, after my, after my parent passed away. Ha ha ha! Lots of jolliness. <laughs> so jolly. <laughs> when my father, sure, sure. when my father who'd rinsed my mother's money. <laughs> Remortgaged the house three times, made That's me right, work. You're rich, you could pay for it. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> when growing up, being told not all about the money, fucking is. So, but <laughs> we had this discussion during the week. We're like, money does buy happiness. What the fuck was anyone talking about that said otherwise? It definitely does. No, money doesn't buy happiness, but money buys things fucking that makes does. me happy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, like brown trousers. But, yeah, sure, sure. But um, so. We, my, my dad didn't want a, a fuss or anything, uh, or probably feared maybe debt collectors might turn up to his funeral, so he didn't want to have a, have a funeral. So we paid for one of these, sort of, sounds for lack of a better term, instant cremation. Not like we did it ourselves. It's not like a, sell, a DIY job in the back garden. <laughs> um, <sighs> yeah, carry on. So what, what would happen is the, uh, the undertakers would travel to the hospital where the body is laying in rest and would collect it to take it to be cremated. Well, I was told on the day, I said, okay, Mr. Miller, we're going to go and pick up your father and um, obviously we'll take him away. The first thing about this is this cremation company. My mum picked them because they had a crematorium in Kent, where, obviously where I'm, where I'm from. And I, oh, phoned, I forgot this bit of the story. <laughs> and I phoned them up and I said, I know obviously people aren't allowed to pretend, but just so I know, um, where's your crematorium in Kent? And the woman on the phone said, actually, it's uh, your nearest one's in Hertfordshire. <laughs> So that's not Kent. Jesus, just give people perspective. That's like two and a bit hours away. That's, yep. that's like a fair distance up the country. Well, anyway, so he's already had a quite a torrid time. My father. He's almost got in his uh, the ambulance taking him away, his dead body away from my home, my family home. He's speeding down the road. To which point, he almost the the private ambulance almost has a crash with the postman <laughs> speeding around the country lane. So he almost dies again. Yeah. He's already dead. <laughs> Um, but anyway, got, got bad, died again. You know, yeah, yeah. 
Classic Bruce John. Bond classic John. Always yeah, dying. Yeah. <laughs> Always spending other people's money, oh, then dying. But um, so they would go and collect him. <laughs> they'd always they they'd... Oh, breaking me, okay. Go on, go on. <laughs> they'd go and collect him from the hospital. Um and I, I got a phone call from the um the cremation people and they said, I've never heard anything like this before. I'm terribly sorry. They've lost your dad. <laughs> And obviously, still very, very raw. But at this stage, I think it's the first time I'd laughed heartily since my father died. I was like, what do you mean? They've lost my dad. They're like, I think it was around this time that I started to hear from you again. And I was like, oh. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, they're like, yeah, they, they can't find him. I said, how do you mean they've, they can't find him? And he said, well, for lack of a better term, they've misfiled him somewhere. Jesus Christ, man. And, um, it took them two days to locate him. <laughs> I remember these two days being absolute <laughs> fucking torture. Just being like, I wonder if they found his dad. <laughs> Which is something you don't imagine to ever hear. But the, um, it's just astonishing, man. But this is the thing that got me. So obviously, we booked these Did people. they not put a label on him or something? You know what I mean? Like... He, in fairness, he probably sold it. <laughs> But yeah, you know, so in fairness oh, to these guys, fuck. they fuck, and it wasn't the crematorium people. So most of the people at the hospital who had misfiled him, which is fine, you know, admin yeah. who it, bothers. Apparently, it does happen reasonably yeah. often. Yeah. I, I spoke to a couple of other people about this, telling this story because it was so just like, what the fuck, <laughs> you know? And they were like, yeah, that happened to my uncle once. Like, what? How? <laughs> but they um, so we're okay. So he's going to go to this crematorium in Hertfordshire, no problem at all. And what they do is the company then deliver him back in a box. For us to do what we want with his with his ashes when the box returned he said and here is the box and it was a lovely presentation box as you'd expect for you know probably lots of other bodies or alternatively something they've just digged out of their fireplace and they've harvested him for organs but <laughs> i looked at the bottom of the box for the and it basically said he he hadn't been taken to kent he hadn't been taken to hertfordshire they'd taken him and cremated him in cardiff so it's fucking insane. That's like six hours away. <laughs> my father so had his last ride to the crematorium in Cardiff. But speaking of last in a ride, different country in Wales, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> all the way in Wales. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, so uh, yeah. But on the subject of you know last rides, we don't have that version of the Undertaker in here, and we don't have the Undertaker at the Elimination Chamber 2014. I'm just gonna let that one sit for a minute because I mean, talk about professional tax. <laughs> that was high caliber. <laughs> okay, so part seven of our Into the Dragon podcast series, the WWE Elimination Chamber 2014, the 23rd of February, is live on pay per view. We'll watch this on the network. We're at the Target Center, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Ducks fly together. <laughs> you don't get that reference, do you? Quack. <laughs> well you got the part of it have you ever seen the mighty ducks no that's a hockey film right it's 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 one of the greatest films ever made that happens to be about hockey as well i'm just gonna throw that out there i love that movie i watched all three of those quite recently i'm like 36 now 35 36 well who cares <laughs> the attendance tonight was fourteen thousand one hundred and one. got to get that extra one in there and the commentary team are JBL, Michael Cole, and Jerry Lawler. Starts out good, gets worse <laughs> as we get to the commentary team. Tax, what happened on SmackDown? I'm glad you asked. SmackDown 
broadcast on the Sci-Fi Network on Friday, the uh, 21st of February, recorded a few days before that. It did a 2.15 buy rate. And here is how I will set the scene for Smacky D. Two days before Elimination Chamber, and three days before the WWE Network unleashes itself on the WWE Universe, a (laughs) slew of determined superstars use SmackDown to position themselves for the final pay-per-view along the road to WrestleMania. How'd you like that? That was good. That was professional. I didn't. I didn't want to stop you. I was just wondering if there was a bit more, but that was really, really good. Yeah, I liked it. Thanks. <laughs> and pr- pretty much summed it up. There's a few things that happened on SmackDown that are really relevant to tonight's show, like the Christian full heel turn shtick. Do you want to go over that a bit? Or well, we move on. I'm just going to go through the results. So <laughs> after not okay. wrestling much, you know, Dragon, our hero, wrestles twice. So he's battered. He's bruised. He's bandaged. Uh, American Dragon. Managed to uh, take a running knee. Iteration win. That was really good. Thank you. <laughs> Bruised, battered, bandaged. Yeah, I love it. Managed to take his running knee through the number one contender for the IC belt, Jack Swagger, in the opening contest of SmackDown. But however, D- Daniel Bryan's night was far from over. Vicky Guerrero then emerged, flanked by the director, the devil's favorite director of operations, Kane. <laughs> Boring Kane. Yeah. Vicky Guerrero congratulated Dragon on his victory and rewarded him with the opportunity to compete in a second match of the night against Jack Swagger's tag team partner, Cesaro. So we got Dragon versus Cesaro. Very, very nice. Unfortunately, Kane just got disqualified. Well, got Cesaro disqualified and Dragon wins. Ah, it's a shame. But, you know, we had... uh, we had the Wyatt. They really beat the shit out of Dragon. They really beat him up. They yeah. took out his shoulder, hurt him a lot, didn't they? We had the Wyatts uh, take on the Rhodes Dynasty and Rey Mysterio. Because the Wyatts needed someone to, you know, little to beat up. <laughs> standard. Yeah. Um, pretty standard, yeah. That's what they've done on Raw, so. Why not? Little promo from Bray suggesting that three dominoes are ready to fall and the Eater of Worlds is going to prevail. Sat in his rocking chair. Um,. They go against the new face of fear, as they seem to get that over on every single bloody thing. Um, I like the faces of fear. They were good. Sister Abigail to Gold Dust for the one, two, three for the Wyatts. Don't worry, everyone. It's Divas time. It's a SmackDown dance-off hosted by Renee Young. (laughs) (laughs) Emma managed to pick up the victory over Summer Rae with her dancing. And would you believe it, as there always is in a dance-off, Summer was very upset. She was livid. So she attacked Emma. But Emma, what a surprise, got the upper hand. And then um, Santino came out to celebrate while Fandingo helped Summer Ray. What a treat. <laughs> uh, it gets worse. <laughs> um, guest commentator Darren Young distracted Titus O'Neil. Ziggler rolled up Titus for a win. Mr. No Days Off. No Days Off, mate. Smiled because he got one over on there. It's millions of dollars, millions of dollars, mate. Usos, uh, again, got ready for their opportunity. Jimmy Uso beat Road Dog. But then, as you said, in our final, com- yeah, I wrote something for this, in the final confrontation. <laughs> yeah, be impressed. I am. In the, in the final confrontation between Elimination Chamber combatants before Sunday's career altering showdown. 
Oh, three C alliteration spread across three sentences, Tax. I love it. That was awesome. Thank you. I got don't... multis in this. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> the man who loves to fight, and it's not Finley, it's Seamus. He used white noise to triumph Christ- over Christian. And as SmackDown went off the air, S- uh, Christian interrupted the Celtic Warriors celebrations, knocking him from the ring. <gasps> Christian leave- Celtic celebrations. Look at you with your C's. That's awesome. <laughs> It's the only letter I can do it with. <laughs> I'm loving this. This is great. So um, he knocks Seamus down from the ring, leaving him strewn at ringside. And then to, to set the scene for the Elimination Chamber, which of the WWE elite, the elite, the, the elite, will walk out of the Elimination Chamber with the WWE World Heavyweight Championship and the opportunity to headline WrestleMania in his grasp. Oh, it gives you goosebumps, doesn't it, Rich, to head into the Elimination <laughs> Chamber with such a build-up like that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, a lot, another cracking SmackDown recap. Well played, sir. Thanks. It was certainly better than the SmackDown itself. However, um, <laughs> we we covered the Rumble, but I can't remember, did we cover the buy rate? Because obviously this is pre-network. We're three days before the network here. Well, we were on SmackDown. We're two days before the network now. Um, did we cover the buy rate for Royal Rumble? Uh, not particularly. We probably mentioned it if it was listed on Cage Match, but um, well, it wasn't. I really but I found a lovely little helpful uh, buy rate tool on a uh, WrestleTalk.com. <laughs> nice. That's a nice website. That you should go yeah. visit and subscribe to their homepage. Give me money. But utilizing WrestleTalk.com, um, it has kindly told me the 2014 Royal Rumble buy rate was 517,000 buys. Would you like to hazard a quick guess at the buy rate for the Elimination Chamber, considering this is going to set up our WrestleMania main event? Oh, probably more like 350, something like that. 203,000 buys. It's not great, is it? It is not great because... I mean, it's not Rumble or Mania, so it hasn't got that name value, but you'd expect it to be higher than that. Considering that as we go through... So leading up to this, so obviously Rumble was 517,000. TLC only did 175,000 buys. Yeesh. And Survivor Series, the one of the big four, only did 179 prior to that. Hell in a Cell was the last pay-per-view <laughs> prior to that to cover, go over 200,000 buys. Wow. So, so yeah, it, it's not just a modern problem. It's been for right. a while now. But considering, as I said, this was pre-network. And still, you know, as I reach for my calculator, because I'm too tired to do maths in my head, if it's like 50 bucks a pop, you're looking at 10,150,000 in pay-per-view money at $50. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Uh, yeah, basically over $10 million for pay-per-view buys alone on that. Now, obviously, I know they'd have to give like half to the cable company, but $5 million for pay-per-view, not bad. I wouldn't even know. I imagine their costs are quite high as well. Yeah, but that doesn't include gate for 11,000 people paying, I don't know, what, $20? Okay, ticket. sure, sure. So it, I, I've, I've no kind of concept of what is a lot of money to them, what isn't, you know what I mean? It's me like, neither. It sounds like a lot, but... <laughs> <coughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> All right, let's jump into the show. So the theme song for tonight is Doomsday by Nero or Nero by Doomsday. Who gives a fuck? It's shit. It's dubstep. <laughs> the opening video package, on the other hand, is fucking beautiful. Again, the WWE editors, their production team, it's just the... It's, this isn't their best video package, but it's still just... Oh, it just does everything you need it to. It makes the booking look competent. <laughs> it's, it's clever. I liked it. Uh, this is what we've said all along, and I apologize for sort of being broken record, but... If you're watching, 
if you just bought this on a whim and you see this hype video, you're going to be excited for professional wrestling. You're seeing Absolutely. the production values, you're seeing the violence, you've got the, the backstory in there. It gives you something to invest in. It made me realize that when we're buying VHSs as kids without seeing the shows in between, because obviously being Brits, we wouldn't have access to house shows or the Superstar Saturday Night or whatever the fuck it would have been at the time. But like, you just you buy the pay for you and you have the video package before it and you're completely invested into these stories. And this is a perfect example of that in a more modern kind of setting. It's, it's great stuff, man. Really British really Bulldog's going to win whether he likes it or likes not. It or not. <laughs> <laughs> before we get to the show, let's take a moment to thank our Lord and Saviour, Eric Bischoff for inventing the Liam Lation Chamber. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Eric. Round of applause. Round of applause, Thank everyone. you. Because <laughs> essentially it just means we get multi-man hell in a cell rather than just hell in a cell once a year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Two miles of with, steel chain. But with pods and it hurts more to take a bump, right? <laughs> Hang on a minute. Are you telling me that it's that bulletproof glass that nothing can ever go through in every chamber that someone goes through? Unbelievable. Mate, on this one, it may as well be fucking paper mache. <laughs> people go through them so often. I would love to see a chamber made out of paper mache. There's got to be someone <laughs> overly no creative. I've got a kid. <laughs> There's got to be someone overly creative on Britrest in Britrest who's now going to do their own paper mache chamber match. Sure, <laughs> sure. Such a shit show. So the opening voiceover. It's pay per view, so I'm gonna go over the whole thing. <laughs> How far would a man go? This is written beautifully, by the way. Like WWE, like we often talk about the intros and whether they're good or not or whatever. And Michael Cole's intros have been dog shit on Raw recently. <laughs> But this one, poor. how far would a man go to fulfill a dream? What is he willing to risk? What pains will he endure, ladies and gentlemen, to headline the biggest event in entertainment? These six men enter the most dangerous structure ever created. Bear witness to an environment built for pain. It feeds on cruelty and provides no mercy. Wrong pay-per-view. Tonight in a battle that would change course at any moment, these six combatants will be tested. Only one will prevail and secure an opportunity to shine on the world's greatest stage. And under the ever-watching eyes of a greater authority... The, I can't do the whole thing. The tenacity of the serpent is questioned. It then kind of transitions into like an authority montage promo thing leading into the chamber. And the second half is kind of a lot calmer, but then kind of builds up the tension. It's quite clever. Like give you like three phases of introduction. It's really interesting stuff. It finishes off going, only one will leave. Champion of champions. Again, wrong pay-per-view. <laughs> but at what cost? Tonight. For six superstars, their journey continues as the road to WrestleMania runs through the Elimination Chamber. All I Great thought stuff. when you were doing that promo was, why am I listening to the Dungeon of Doom? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I gotta muck it up a bit, you know what I mean? So uh, cue the wicked dubstep, dubstep, chamber graphics and WCW levels of 1996 sort of levels of pyro. It's uh, it's very spooty, Dax. Very, very spooty. Pyro like someone tonight. just pressed the button for all of it to go off at the same time by in error. <laughs> They're missing the ring pyro and the pyro at the back of the fans like WCW used to have. That was so good. I missed they, that. They couldn't put the pyro out there because Kane's corporate now and Del Rio puts flags there. <laughs> Don't want them catching <laughs> them on fire. Fair point. <laughs> sure. Michael Cole. Boo. Boo. 
With Todd, Kellen, and Helly's levels of enthusiasm, welcomes us to the show. It is the final pay-per-view stop on the way to WrestleMania. This is the Elimination Chamber. You are looking live at the Target Center, sold out in frigid Minneapolis. <laughs> she's, she's a slut now. <laughs> 14,101 WWE fans on hand. He doesn't call them universe. He calls them fans. I'm like, somebody call Vince. This man needs a slap. It's getting (laughs) chastised in his head set for that. You call them fans, you prick. As we determine the main event for WrestleMania, the crowd are on fucking fire. We are not in Denver anymore, Tax. No, we are not. They are here. There's still signs. Which is still nice at this time. Yeah, in 2014. I-, I love this crowd. All fucking night. They are amazingly fun. Best crowd of this, um, of this pod so far. I know Absolutely. we've had, out, as in throughout, obviously when Dragon comes out, the crowd comes alive. But throughout this, they played their part brilliantly and tried to really drive on this show. Yeah, and I think the, the wrestlers step up as well. I before we get kind of too far into the show, I genuinely really enjoyed this pay-per-view. Snap. I mean, there, there was... There... <laughs> I was waiting to see whether you would be like, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> or, or to be like, I totally agree. I'm glad you enjoyed it as well. No, there were, there, were, there were some elements of this because this is the problem where you put, like we had with Armageddon in 1999 when you had all your top stars in the Hell in a Cell in the mm. main event before Rikishi got thrown up into a farm wagon. <laughs> You had an sure. undercard match, which an undercard show, which was actually quite enjoyable, even though there wasn't really much storylines going to this. But you know, if we look, if we run down our match cards, so or if he's got Big E and Swagger for the IC belt, we've actually had a qualification match for this. So there's stakes. We like that. Old Eight Outlaws going against the Usos. We've seen them go at each other. So there's a story going to it. Titus and Darren Young are also here. I mean. <laughs> Wyatt's and Shield, which we're going to get to, they've been building, which has been lovely. Big Dave and Bertie, they're there. And obviously the Chamber and the ladies' match. Yeah. Because people need popcorn back in 2014 when they wouldn't let wrestlers, women wrestlers, actually wrestle Emma yeah, and Summer sure, sure. in a dance contest. As you look at... I thought of this very quickly because obviously we're going to get um, AJ Lee defending her belt later on in this card. How good would AJ Lee be now in this current crop of women's talent i I wonder i'm not too sure because she's obviously very talented and she's got a great character but is she as athletically gifted as some of the women now see some of them are so fucking good the reason i brought it up because i just go back to um rock's comment to um goldberg when at the moment aj lee is a big fish in a little bitty pond but if she Mm. was now in the big big leagues She'd be a whale in a teardrop, but she wouldn't be that good. <laughs> I wonder. I'd like to see her have a run. I think she's probably still got it in her, but I don't think she's got any desire to. Anything I've ever heard, like her talk about whatever has not been about pro wrestling, and it's been very uh, negative about her time in WWE, which you can understand. It was just the end of this horrible dance for me, you fucking whore sort of level of pro wrestling. You know, it's horrible. Yeah, and she's got a great career as an author. She's got a pet yep. dog, which everyone likes a pet dog. So yep. and why would you? They're, you married, can... they're probably minted, you know? Yeah, I was going to say, if you've made that much amount of money, and this is the thing that you always see what, with MMA fighters as well, how much money do you really need to put your body on the line? And I think this is the thing why, you know, obviously from Punk's standpoint, 
Why would you come back? What would you need to do to come back? Unless you're bankrupt and desperate for money, hi, Ric Flair. You know, why Why would you risk it? I mean, I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's, it's a passion. But let's be honest. Like with anything, and it's the same thing as you probably found with bands, like, like with you, with Iris, me, with sort of STA and things like that. When it starts becoming too serious and you've got literally no free time, you've just got to go out and do gigs and that's all it consumes your life, then it becomes a job. And it's like, ah, now it's a job. Is it fun? <laughs> sure, sure, I get it. So our first match of the evening is WWE Intercontinental Championship match of Big E, our current champion, he seems to have lost his last name, versus Jack Swagger with casual racist Seb Coulter. Awkward. Uh, Seb Coulter. <laughs> Sorry? Awkward. <laughs> Seb, I wonder what you're going to say today, Seb. <laughs> This promo, right? So they come out and Zebulter goes, we're starting wrestling Big E. E stands for enough. And then Coulter, <laughs> I think he just blames Big E for US immigration issues and then blames immigration on the cold weather in Minneapolis. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So it's the gimmick was super racist. But it had some logic behind it because it was about people from other countries and stuff. This is a bit beyond convoluted. This is into the realms of just ridiculously stupid. Hang on. Are you tr- no, no, Rich. Look, look at the logic. <laughs> Mexicans, it's warm in Mexico. They don't like to be warm. So they're going to come mm. here where it's cold and they can put on a jumper. Oh. He implies because there is immigration that's why it's cold in minneapolis <laughs> and you're like i'm not sure that's how this works dude <laughs> eight years later pretty Patel tweets that about the england team <laughs> I-, I was gonna say i'm pretty sure this is what donald trump ran on last yeah. time wasn't it <laughs> like- <laughs> pretty Patel, marcus rashford missed his penalty because it was cold because it's his fault <laughs> what's Fucking the hell. term they've been using gesture politics i'm like i'll oh, shut the fuck up <laughs> What does that mean? I'll give you gesture politics, you Brexit Bible-bashing prick. <sighs> yeah, fucking right. Nothing so wrong with people. E- Sorry, I, that was that was bad. You know, if you religion is not an issue with it, but if you're a fucking Fuck moron politician, <laughs> that, no, that's not that that isn't fair. But if you're a moron-ass politician who incites racism, you are a fucking moron. Hmm. Sure. Sure. I just keep my opinions to myself, right? So Big E looks absolutely fucking jacked here, mate. He looks so fucking big. Strong, hard boy. Mmm. So um, the uh, the white leather on the squared off old intercontinental belt. Like, oh, I think I just came. It's so beautiful. When Cody bought back the white leather, that was it for me, for that belt. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh, see Big E lifting this belt up. I'm like, oh, I forgot that belt was here. Oh, look at it. It's so pretty. But of course, so Vince McMahon, known, race, known racist, give the black man a white championship belt just so oh, he knows yeah. his place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fuck you, Vince. <laughs> Is that, what's that called? Uh, uh, I've forgotten the term that idiots use on Twitter and stuff. Not moonlighting, but something like that. Catfishing? No, mm, I don't know. Even... I'm, I'm 37, I don't understand Whatever. what this stuff is. <laughs> so uh, one thing bugged me about the way this match is set up, apart from like the whole the racist bullshit, uh, was uh, both lads are wearing black singlets. Sounds a bit like, uh, oh, really? Talk to each I mean, other, lads. We see this later in yeah. with, with Bertie and Big Dave. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're not going to mistake Big E for Jack Swagger and vice versa. But, you know, you would have thought, you know, gimmicks, wrestling, we don't all have to wear black singlets, you know what I mean? But whatever. 
Uh, the, again, the crowd are just fucking awesome in this match. They are absolutely alive, responding to everything. The wrestling is really fun, hot power moves and spots. The commentary team are also here. <laughs> <laughs> Cole and Lawler, at one point in this match, are playing the game that is words that begin with the letter E. <laughs> You're like, I do this with my three-year-old. What the fuck are you doing? Ah, oh, big egg. <laughs> Oh, so stupid. I fucking hate this commentary team. They're awful. And they're coming all the way to Mania. God. Does no one turn up for Mania? Surely JR must turn up for a main event or something. I wonder if he turns up for... Yeah, I think he turns up for one of the matches. I've got to know about this later, but there's a, there's a montage for the Chamber match. Yes, and they, he's they there. Together. Yeah, they clip together loads of commentary bits and there's a big little clip of JR... And then you immediately hear Michael Cole either side of him and you're like, okay, that's the issue. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> ah, fuck. Uh, so JBL tells us there is nothing wrong with a coach beating a player. <laughs> Everyone loves beating off players. Yeah. Biggie spears swagger from the hardest part of the ring to the floor. Gets a massive pop on a holy shit charm. Uh, just what a cracking opener this is, man. I love it. We'll get into the finish in a second, but what do you think of the match? Brilliant. Great opening match without needing to be cruiser. There's a story behind it. There's a title on the line. It almost looks like they both care about the belt, which is brilliant. Yeah. You've got s- two guys that aren't massively over. Like Jack Swagger's gimmick's kind of over because, oh, we the people, people are like saying stuff along with wrestlers. You know what I mean? But he gets a little bit of face heat, but then Big E kind of does enough impressive shit to really get those face pops it really works i mean he's he's lost in the mix now so we're not too far off um heading to the new day are we because new day Mm have been together what seven years so we must be coming close to it for the uh, the gospel choir because again vince mcmahon you know what i see you three doing (laughs) (laughs) what is it about those three gentlemen that are the same tax why did they put them in a state yeah exactly they love soul (laughs) yeah um so uh a um, couple of Patriot Lock attempts, reversals, bit of a messy moment where they kind of bump into each other, but they repeat the spot. Uh, eventually, Biggie hits the big ending, crowd chant along with the refs count. One, two, three, big pop. Still your Intercontinental Champion, Biggie. I absolutely loved this. Far from a technical masterpiece, but Hoss is Hoss, and I fucking love me some Hoss. Big ending is a really good finisher. I like it so simple, but so effective. Looks good, looks strong. Nice safe bump to take. Front yeah. bump. Check yourself. Love it. Protect the champion. Carry on to Mania. I'd be interested, again, because I can't remember what he does at Mania. I have a horrible feeling it might be Andre Battle Royal, but we'll see. Mm. Yeah. Wrestlers are here to work. Crowd are here to have fun. Love shows like this. Really, really great opener. Yeah, can't fault it. Genuinely can't cool. fault it. For the, for the last six shows, six episodes, we've been like, ah, oh, Dragon's good. It's nice to actually have a good wrestling match. It's really, Absolutely. really funny. As Big E is celebrating and Swagger is heading to the back, literally the moment the match finishes, I'm afraid I've got some bad news for you Americans. Boom! On his giant tower that is in the... <laughs> it's up at this point, at least. Barrett puts over Mother Russia. You're like, what? Okay. 
and their European sporting supremacy. And I'm like, uh, I think I've got some bad news for you, buddy boy. <laughs> How dare you? They're, uh, they did really well at curling that year. And also, they also encouraged their friends and families to go for a day trip to visit world-famous Salisbury Cathedral. <laughs> Sheffield, yeah. No. Salisbury? Salisbury? It's Salisbury like Cathedral. <laughs> no, I know. I fucked it up once in a fucking previous pod. Do you not remember? <laughs> no. <laughs> I can't remember what I said. I said off to somewhere and you went Salisbury and I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm so, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. It was, We've in, had... the, it was We've... in the intro for months, dude. <laughs> Do you think I listened to this back? <laughs> Bloody should. I almost exclusively listen to our podcast. You should subscribe and give us money. Buy a t-shirt. Whatawrestlingpodcast.com or Amazon.co.uk. Make sure you like and subscribe on your podcast app of choice. Definitely. Uh, commentary to camera. Uh, I'll say that again. Commentary to a piece to camera. Putting over dragon. I'm like, ooh, of note, this point should be. Mm. Mm, putting over dragon strong early. Uh, so he's not going over on... then, is he? <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> his two matches on Raw. Kane hurt him because he's boring now or something. Blah, 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 blah. A few SmackDown highlights. Dragon getting fucked up, essentially, is the point they're going into this story with, which is kind of fun. Injury angle. Uh, At least they're carrying it through. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Byron Saxton backstage with the hero of our story himself. Instant yes chance from Minneapolis. Love this crowd. Uh, Dragon says he does all out all the time. Good Christian boy. <laughs> got to pull out. <laughs> Hang on, he's not, he, he's not Christian until the, till the main event. <laughs> oh, you ruined it. <laughs> That's what she said when he pulled out. Dragon cuts an impassioned promo and into the yes chart. The crowd are totally into it. It's great fun. Uh, oh, you didn't know. Da, 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 da. You better call somebody about my career. <laughs> <laughs> a WWE tag team title match of the old age outlaws, Billy Gunn and the Road Dog, current champions in 2014, still, versus the Usos of Jimmy and Jay. So the first note I have here is there better be a motherfucking title change. One, two, roll up. Let's go. One, two, three. Nice hacker to start with, which one, which mm. 50% of the Usos know. Do you, it, they're Samoan, right? Yeah, I believe that's the gimmick they have, yes. Yeah, I think there's another term for what they do rather than a hacker, because I think that's New Zealand, but um, it, it's a similar name, if not hacker itself, but whatever, it doesn't matter. It's... <sighs> I, I'm not a big fan of hyper-Uso native guys, you know what I mean? I much prefer cool guy Uso jeans and t-shirt sort of thing, but you can see the potential even at this point in their careers. You can see again what Vince has done. Samoan tag team. Can I put a spear through your nose? No, we're not yeah. the head shrinkers, Vince. Well, I'll tell you what we'll do. Instead of letting you have the cool guy attitude that I know you are backstage, what I'll do is I'll basically make you be a bit like your dad, a bit like Affa, a bit like the head shrinkers, and you've got to do this tribal dance at the beginning just to let people know that you're not from these shores. You've got to eat the ice cream to get to the stick tax. Very true. Where's CM Punk's <laughs> ice cream bars? <laughs> Fucking A. So sing along with the old guy's routine. You know, the heels. But everyone <laughs> sings the lines with them and goes, suck it, with Billy Gunn. 
getting some big old face pops. It's a bit silly, that. I like the fact that between now and AEW, he hasn't aged a bit. Poor Billy Gunn. Yeah. Does look the same, actually, now you say it. Absolutely jacked. Same bleach blonde hairline, which is fine. And absolutely ripped. Yeah. He's... They've been terrible over the past four or five weeks. Gonna say it, I didn't hate this match. Again, passable, low card, tag team fodder. Fun spots, classic outlaw bits in there to get the nostalgia pop. And this is the thing I've started realising. Like When the outlaws are in the ring, I don't mind it. It's all the shit on yeah. commentary. If they're in singles matches, it's dull. But if they're actually in a tag team, I, 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 I can take it. I'm not overly fussed. There's a spot that I didn't even write down, but I've still remembered until this point. My memory's trash. Remember that? Where Road Dog tags in and goes, he's such an idiot, <laughs> and headbutts one of the Usos, who no-sells it because, you know, then the Samoan gimmick thing. And it's like, ah, <laughs> sells his head like crazy. And it's just that silliness of, like, the stupid heel calling someone stupid and then doing something stupid. That's brilliant. I love that sort of shit in pro wrestling. And that, and again, trying to establish themselves as the heel team when they got over with a face pop at the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. Did you notice um, the big orange sign opposite the hard cam during this match? Oh, I didn't know. <laughs> it just says, I love my cat. Meow, meow. <laughs> <laughs> it bought me so much. They held it up throughout the entire match. I was like, this is dedication. They really love that cat. Oh, I, I, I love my cat. He was a good yeah, lad. Me too. Although yeah. I, I did think Don't the other day, sad. I miss my cat, bastard. Have I have I told you that we've had an imposter in my no. home? Tell me so, about your imposter. A couple of weeks ago, well, we've been having um, even when my cat was alive, we had a, a visitor cat, which my cat did not take license to, who we named in the new house. Yeah, which okay. we named White Boots, being the fact he has white paws and a big furry coat. Not Black Boot, you big racist bastard. <laughs> I love the irony. <laughs> Let's call him Black Boots from now on. <laughs> but um, White Boots with his uh, with his white cloak and pointy hat turned up. That <laughs> 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 we call him KK Grandmaster. Cat. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Grandmaster Cat, yeah, <laughs> fucking great. Grandmaster Cat was in the garden a lot of time before Taffy d- departed us. And then the other mm. day, I was just Taffy sat- a bit more innocent than Grandmaster yeah. Cat in the corner, sitting there's he guiling, you know. <laughs> Fucking dickhead cat. Get out of my garden, you racist. No, I fucking like it. <laughs> I love my Don't cat. Meow, meow. <laughs> but um, I was stood here at work and I, I started hearing meowing and I thought, I'm having a stroke. I can hear my cat. And I walked into my kitchen <laughs> and the fucking brazen cat, white boots, was just like in the kitchen looking around. It's like, oh, I see. He was like, uh, uh, your cat dead now? I, I Do live you want to come now? to a meeting? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got a, I've got a, I've got a flyer. <laughs> do, you, do you want to look at my flyer? And then, like the other day, I'm stood here working. You know, sometimes when you notice if someone's like watching you, and all of a sudden you're like, someone's watching me, and you turn around. Sure. I was in one my little office that aren't talked about. Yeah. <laughs> I was in my office, like I smell racism, and I turned around, and Grandmaster Cat <laughs> was stood right behind me again, m- meowing away. I was like, bloody imposter cat, bloody hell, yeah, white boots, cheeky bastard. Yeah, yeah, sure. So have you got cat flaps in the house then? Is that how he's getting in? No, just that it's a hot day, so I left the back back door open. 
Right. Okay. So obviously, like oh, any God. good animal lover, I picked him up and punted him like Ike from South Park, going, "Get the fuck out of my house! <laughs> <laughs> you're not my, you're not my real cat." Don't kick that baby. <laughs> yeah. Um. So during this match, uh, I could actually start to quite enjoy it as much as it's not again a technical masterpiece. Just the heel face dynamic made it really, really fun to me. I'm I'm literally doing everything I can to try and block out the commentary because I'm like, you're ruining this for me. They just never shut up. They don't even talk about the story taking place in the ring at like any point in the match. Um, there's big CM Punk chants during this match. Hot tags all around. Big dive to the outside to, for Marus, um, Anuso. Road Dog <laughs> lands like, how would you describe it? Forehead to forehead almost? Uh, a double noggin knocker. <laughs> Yeah, on a, on a on a dive through the top and middle rope to the outside. Like, oh, it's got a sting in it. Or if it was Excalibur, Tope Suicida. Exactly. Like, it's to the point where Road Dog, you can audibly hear him on camera going, are you all right? <laughs> As they do it. Ah, <laughs> uh, you poor bastard. Uh, super kick, super kick, bit of bullshit. Billy Gunn rolls up Jimmy Uso. Oh, no. One, two, three. And still the tag champs, the old age outlaws. And they go put over on commentary, experience over youth. Mm. Off decent match, Usos can take a hell of a bump. Still can. Yep. Especially ones at a bar. Knew it was coming. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't know how to sell it. I'm loving the reports of like the, we could punish him, but we've also got this actual long-term storyline with The Rock. So people say we should do long-term storytelling. So we're not going to ask the poor chap to go and seek professional assistance yeah i hope he gets the help he needs and stops doing the stupid shit because we all know it's dangerous and yeah that. and he's a talented boy um, really really yeah. talented boy yeah him and his brother they've got they've always been so good even again in 2014 when they're still kind of getting going you can see the potential and how good they are and i was always impressed that they got in such good shape because here they do look a bit on the chubby side you know what i mean and you can tell they've put the real work into this and the story with Roman and everything else and the new developed characters and the feuds with the New Day. Like, that was some of the stuff that kept me watching over the years, you know, while everything else was fucking terrible at times. When they had that, that triple threat at Mania in the PC, WrestleMania 36, yeah. when it was one Uso, um, was it um, Johnny Parkour and Kofi? Mm-hmm. Wasn't the it? Ladder they did their triple threat, yeah. When yeah. like Uso with no fans is still putting himself for a ladder, it's like these these chaps get. And this is a thing as well. Like Jay Uso, at the start of this year, running through this Roman storyline. What a fantastic character! Like a, a, a MVP of SmackDown. I mean, Roman is head and shoulders above everything else, but Jay Uso is next in line for how important that SmackDown brand's been. Absolutely. I'm hoping that he can get some sort of run out of it, but I don't know how they do that with Roman at the top unless you turn him fully face or uh, Roman, you know, fully heals out on them at some point. Like, I'm. You'd like to think the redemption story is there for Jay, but I don't really know if they're committed to do it, you know? Uh, I hope it doesn't go down the direction that we got for WrestleMania 25 with Hardy versus Hardy, although that would be a fantastic Mm. series to cover because that was also when. They had the rumor that Christian was coming back and he ran over Jeff Hardy back at WrestleMania 25. It's like, oh, amazing. Love a run over storyline. <laughs> I did it for the wrong. <laughs> um, I, I, st- I really think that they're going to go down the route of just, we've got Roman over as this top heel. 
Let's bring in The Rock, let's bring in Cena, let's bring in Lesnar, let's bring in Goldberg, just because those are going to draw numbers. And they're going to get this whole storyline with Jay is going to start to fade into the background a bit. And he's just going to be the lackey and they're not going to really pull the trigger like I think they should. They should Mikey Whipwreck this. They really, really should. Big time. The problem is, though, where they've spent so long with the Usos as a tag team, they're not going to have him go on Fox. And if they moved him after this storyline is to Raw as a singles guy, they wouldn't have him anywhere near the main event, which is a real shame. Mm. Yeah, I'm interested to see if they lose the deal with Fox or if somehow Raw gets a, a more important deal or USA go, look, look, you need to focus on our show more on what's going to happen with Raw over the years because SmackDown's obviously been a priority for them because Raw's been pretty bad. Um, stuff's starting to get better, it feels like. So I'm hoping that we can get some positive stuff happening on throughout the whole company because nothing breeds good wrestling like competition. And AW are head and shoulders above for me at the moment. So I'm just hoping they can do something more. I'll be happy to see now because I genuinely, and I know I've said this on previous pods, I'm a firm believer that WWE have held back on anything interesting when they've been in the Thunderdome. I really think mm. that as they're going to start touring, this is where they're going to come into their own. We're heading into SummerSlam season, so we're going to have good storylines, surprise returns. And yes, it's not ideal for our our talent who's on the card at the moment, but here's the problem. And again, largely down to the writers, largely down to Vince. But the fact of the matter is that if you have to get people come in to pop a rating, it means that something's not right with the talent they've got to either have the balls to go and take a chance and go out with a live microphone and, and shoot their shot, basically. Or people just aren't interested and they only want nostalgia pops. Yeah. I think Vince is so set on nostalgia pops because even prior to the pandemic, for me, it's been maybe 10, 15 years of like, okay, can, can, we, can we book a good long-term story now? <laughs> like, you know, and... I know there is some long-term story booking there, but there's it's not a great deal I really want to latch on to. Even this story we're doing now, the reason we started going back on it is that we're big fans of Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, American Dragon, whatever. And we want to see how they told this story. And I think this is the show where they start to turn a corner for sure. And we'll get to that down the line. But it's it's been quite a lot of, okay, can we can we start to tell the story now, please? <laughs> you know, and... I feel like they made a lot of mistakes on the way. Well, especially as they're trying to position at this moment in time, still in the back of my mind. Mm. I'm still 50-50 of, was Dragon the plan all along? Or is he only here because Punk left? Because it all, this whole setup leading, leading up to Chamber and SmackDown as well, we're heading towards WrestleMania. And the most likely feud at this time is Kane versus Dragon at yep. WrestleMania. That's, That's what they look like they're pitching. They were because 100%. they were going for Punk for Punk Kane at some point here and then Punk Triple H at Mania and Dragon mm-hmm. versus Sheamus. But now I wonder if they're like, okay, we'll go for Kane versus Dragon at Mania and then they see what happens later in Bertie and Dave and maybe make, change their mind. Maybe so. I think, well, let's go through it and we'll see, eh? So uh, post-match, Uso is heading to the back and Barrett is back again. He's come down to our level to deliver some bad news to Daniel Bryan. What's happened, Tax? I believe there's been a malfunction at the junction, Rich. <laughs> His giant podium is no longer working. That's what she said. 
We pull out. So yeah, this is the night where his podium that raises up on the forklift or whatever just doesn't work and so it's just down at eye level that's because they had to unplug that and plug in Wyatt's fake lamp (laughs) sure sure so um this is the second match in a row where Barrett's doing his little promo I've got some bad news so we're just flogging this dead horse right into the ground yeah but it was getting him over people were starting after this people were starting to find it funny and he had merch doing it what once a night was getting him over <laughs> if you do it this often after every single match eventually you're gonna run it into the ground like this is too much and then he got his little flashy logo on the screen as well lovely mm, it didn't last long though did it so we'll see <laughs> commentary doing a piece of the camera again Lawler and JLB- JBL show us the WWE Network on their devices. <laughs> this is so funny. How did King get a pre-release version of the bloody network? And if King, what are you watching here? Oh, um, Total Divas? I mean, wait, what? <laughs> they are being very careful not to show their internet histories this time. <laughs> Fans are chanting CM Punk. Cole tells us to get your mobile device and plug it into your home television so you can watch the WWE Network. Like, is this how technology works? Uh, I take this cable and I plug it into this cable and I it is on the telly box. iPhone go into TV. Work. <laughs> yeah. I hear something called airplays. Airplays? Airplanes. I use airplanes on my Apple phones and, then I cut <laughs> and, and I transport it with magic to the telly box. So uh, this show is starting to fly by compared to the rest of the Raws. I'm really enjoying it by this point. But uh, Tax, it's time for the feud of the year of Darren Young versus Titus O'Neil. So most of this backstory, I say backstory, the events of this feud have been on SmackDown. So as far as I understand... They were in a tag, millions of dollars, millions of dollars. Never really got over. Uh, apart from like, you know, they had a few moments, but yeah, never really got over. And so Titus went, ah, oh, you're a loser. And beat up Darren Young. That's pretty much the story, right? Exactly. And I wonder why Vince got him to beat up Darren Young. <laughs> oh. This match is unnecessarily stiff. They're basically, these two lads who get on very well behind the scenes and the good friends behind the scenes, this is the sort of thing where you'd see like Generico and Steen go at it and they're like, let's just beat the shit out of each other for 20 minutes, except these guys were given six and a few botchy bits. Mm. But they went at it, didn't they? They didn't hold anything back. I think they were like, right, we can't fuck this up. We're both relatively young in our WWE career, so we can't be seen to be fluffing our punches or our kicks. Let's just lay everything in and worry about it later. The thing they seem to have forgotten is that you're meant to tell a story in wrestling and not just beat the shit out of each other for the sake of beating the shit out of each other. You mean ECW? Well, yeah, kind of. But comparing this to ECW makes me very sad because this is shit. Who would have thought, though, in 2014 that Darren Young would be a relatively good mid-carder in New Japan Pro Wrestling? Yeah, he's killing it. You can see that he has technical ability. The character, like, the hesitation, the... What is he? He's just a guy who wears trunks that has a funky haircut. He has no days off. (laughs) 
<laughs> what does that even mean? He he goes to work every day. Yeah, I think I really think they should have played into the millions of dollars thing because that started to go over. They just never played into it enough, you know. Christian apparently outworks everyone, but he can't outwork Darren Young because he literally has no days off. Or he works yeah. half an hour and then goes to bed. <laughs> so there's a bit in this match where Titus Neal puts Darren Young into abdominal, abdominal stretch, eating me to say, and Titus just slaps the shit out of Darren <laughs> Young's nipples. I'm like, why? Why are you slapping his nipples? He likes it like that. <laughs> so, uh, nipple slapper Titus O'Neil. Hurrah, hurrah, hurrah. Uh, the crowds do a little We Want Ziggler chant, but most have gone for a piss or to grab a pint at this point. Um, sit out Spine Buster with almost no build at all because wrestling. Uh, it's called the Clash of the Titus, which is an awful pun name for a move. One, I, two, three. I liked it. Because it gave him something outside of, you know, tripping under the ring in Saudi. This is his best moment. Dude. Apart from the fact that Titus sounds a bit like Titans, what's it got to do with the move or him or anything? Remember that great Super Bowl Sunday film you always watch, Remember the Titus? So nipple slapper Titus O'Neil wins for the one, two, three, and the winner is really absolutely fucking nobody because this is awful. And I at suspect this, stage, this is the end we'll see of this for WrestleMania. I doubt these guys will be on Raw or SmackDown this week. So before taking cable, pay, cable providers' money out, there's a 10 million buy rate here regards to what's on the gate. Titus and Darren Young have just worked six minutes and they're getting a pay-per-view payday. You can't fault that. <laughs> what do you mean? They've worked six minutes and they're going to probably make more money than... Oh, okay. The, then like, so a lot of people do. Oh yeah, definitely happy money. for them. Yeah. And how but, do you feel about how entertaining their match was for you as a viewer? I mean, I I enjoyed nipple twists, so I found it quite quite fun. <laughs> Barrett's pole has stopped working. <laughs> Obviously, banged his gavel a bit too often. It would seem it's got a bit sore. <laughs> <laughs> Barrett buries Minnesota's electricians because you know his pole stopped working. Barrett randomly buries Hogan as well. And I'm like, okay, I'm on side. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, why not? It's all he deserved. <laughs> Weird promo, this. I didn't understand this one. The last two I, yeah, were kind of funny. This one, I was like, wait, what? Why are you burying Hogan suddenly? Because Hogan's the host. They're now oh, the host of WrestleMania 30, yeah. Oh, wow, okay. This one too. He did such a good job on that one. He must have... Um, yeah, then I'm just going to move on. Elimination Chamber kickoff panel again for some fucking reason. Josh Matthews, Mark Henry, Miz, and Rey Mysterio. Uh, the Rose Boys beat Rybaxel on the pre-show, and Larry the Axe Hedig was at ringside. Must turn up for the books. Yeah, good to see a talented wrestler out of those five. <laughs> I like Cody. I mean, fairness, uh, that's unfair to the Rose Boys. They are both very, very good. Sure, sure. Oh, here we go. It's time for the Wyatts versus. Sparkle, horticultural, illogical, elephantitis, ladylike, dick ticklers. <laughs> it's the shield. Banner, 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 banner. It's fucking great. I love their entrance, man. Still don't really understand why Seth Rollins still needs to, like, he'd never find his keys in that bodysuit. <laughs> oh, fuck. Where did I put them? It's, I've got 73 pockets. Where did I put my locker key? 
Yeah, the uh, the tech vests or whatever there. That's the one. Yeah, tactical vests. They're a yeah, bit silly in it. Honestly, it ruined Roman's career wearing that fucking thing for like three, four years, however long it was. Can you imagine this, Roman? We'd like you to main event WrestleMania with the Undertaker. Brilliant. You're gonna have to wear this paintball outfit. What? <laughs> <laughs> I love that when people would chop it, he would sell. I'm like, oh, why? <laughs> it makes no sense. At least D'Lo Brown sold as well. Oh, that's it. Maybe yeah, it's a hat sure. tip to D'Lo Brown. <laughs> but D'Lo Brown had the torn pectoral muscles. He had a reason to wear it, you know? Well, of course you're going to tear your pecs if you keep spinning your head and neck like that. None of those muscles. It's all connected. No wonder it's always the, torn. The greatest European champion of all time, Tax. I think that's Italy. Yeah, sure. <sighs> Bastards. <laughs> so, video package. Uh, starts on range, breaking the grip of Cena while in the STFU. Remember that moment. Great video package here. The Shield are teasing dissension. Let's see if this match lives up to the hype. It's a six-man tag team match of The Shield, Dean Ambrose, Roman Reigns, and Seth Rollins versus the Wyatt family. Bray Wyatt, Eric Rowan, and Luke Harper. All right, Jonathan, what's... (laughs) Eric Warren. I'm tired. Leave me alone. I know. I'm sorry. (laughs) Reigns is a wet boy. I don't know if you ever listened to the Art of Wrestling podcast where they did like the follow up one with Punk, um, where (laughs) most of the questions he got was, why are the Shield always so wet? (laughs) They are. They're very wet in this one. uh, Like drippingly wet. Like he's emptied not just a small bottle of water, he's emptied like half the fucking arena's worth of water on him, it seems like. Basically, you know, like a, a swimming pools where you have to walk through that little shower spray on your feet before you get in, in case you're like carrying monk, macky, monk, mucky stuff with you. Well, basically, sure. the shield got that wrong. Like, oh, uh, we've heard there's a lot of MRSA or MRSA in that ring. Let's walk through here. And they just walk through a full shower, hazmat style. Right, let's wrestle. <laughs> We've had a quick bukkake before they've gone to the <laughs> ring, you know? Yeah. Yes. We're here. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> on the entrance, Bray blows his LED out before even blowing on it. And I'm like, oh, impressive. Magic. <laughs> He's got skills, that boy. <laughs> he goes to blow it out and it goes out and he goes, oh, yeah, fine. <laughs> Just kind of covers it up. It's really funny. Um, <laughs> Shit, run. <laughs> Before the Wyatts have got to the ring, instant this is awesome chance from the crowd. Everyone's really, really invested in this. Um, they all face off in the ring. Ambrose starts to go a bit rogue. Bray calls Ambrose the errand boy of the group. And I'm like, oh, such good terminology. <laughs> Which goes, and then the crowd are like, let's go Wyatts, let's go Shield. Ambrose gets the party started early. Because he's the Shield. lunatic fringe absolutely it sounds like a hairdresser <laughs> it does uh sounds like a kind of middle-aged woman high street chain hairdresser you know oh, we're lunatics in here i'm pretty sure there's one in canterbury on the corner called the lunatic fringe on st margaret oh, nice. street so i'll have a look out for it next time <laughs> take a photo for the insta i mean as, as imagine yeah i don't really have haven't had the need to go to a hairdresser for 15 years so i don't think it's really something i keep sure. an eye on get your beard trimmed that'd be all right and I do at the, a very highly established farm shop. Ooh, with a beard you cabin. Are class, you? <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, so the Shield get the early advantage and knock the Wyatts out of the ring. Big pop. And Moonlight's like, oh, someone's got the advantage early. Really nice way to start this match, I thought. It's what you need. You, this wasn't going to be a, okay, let's face off. Arm drag, headlock, test the strength. The way they started this, 
the crowd were hot and they just wanted in fairness there was very little slowing down in this match it was like, for mm. 20 minutes 20 odd minutes this was all guns blazing action throughout there was very little time to like take a breath which was great because 22 minutes just flew by in this whole match it was so good i really enjoyed this i really wondered how this match was going to be because i remember watching it the first time and really enjoying it and people talk about shield wyatt's as one of the kind of misgotten feuds that should have been stretched out and told over years you know what i mean like it should have been one of these great feuds that never really ended up being that way and this is really our one like here's their showpiece sort of matches that gets talked about quite often and um going into it i was feeling a bit critical of it because the build honestly it's just had its good moments like some really like cool crowd pop moments but the story has been these guys are kind of turning face in the shield but they've been heels up until now and they're kind of working through the authorities so they're kind of heels still against this very heel stable of the wyatt so a kind of over which is kind of a convoluted thing and they've not really had much of a backstory leading into this they created such an amazing dynamic in this match in that it's not just one guy gets beaten down here's a hot tag here's a bunch of finishes here's the finish they told this incredible story of both teams are willing to cheat because they're both kind of tweening a little bit the shield aggression and speed versus the Wyatt's like brutality and their power. And then like you get these moments of Bray and Roman tagging into the ring and they both stop and they take their time and the dynamic changes to this your champion versus my champion. And the overall arcing story of the match is not just someone gets beaten down, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. They they all have their moments and <laughs> everything as the match goes on. But the Wyatts take out Ambrose for like the first third of the match. They really beat him down. And then the Wyatts beat up Seth for the next third of the match. Leaving this dynamic of just like, oh, we can get Roman on his own. And all three of us can beat the shit out of him. <laughs> it's such a good story. It's, it's like, it's the kind of thing that Bret Hart would come up with, you know? Real, real good like tag team logic in it as well. And I was going to yeah. say, like back to how the storyline started. I like the simplistic approach of genuinely, like when we covered the Raw, where it was the six men and the three winners would go into the chamber. Wyatt's cost Shield a chance to go into the chamber. So instantly Mm -hmm. there's beef. They didn't forget it. I obviously know there's something bubbling um, elsewhere, but for the one and done and the psychology in this match, like, as you said, without too much of a build, and I didn't mind it because I thought the build was good because the want to see these six men together was great. But the storytelling this match did more than we've seen on six weeks of TV. Just in in twenty minutes, it's it's not it isn't a masterpiece, and it's far from it. But from a, a logical start, middle, end, it ticks all the boxes to be a a very good, thoroughly well thought out wrestling match. Absolutely, man, and to be different than a normal kind of wrestling story in a match. And to tell it all within a match and just to have them pull the trigger really quickly and be like, look, these guys have got a problem with each other. Let's have a match. Not spend a year trying to waste the story and make it too convoluted. Like, it's a nice change. It really, really works here for me. I also feel, and I I said this last week, and I'm going to go back and correct myself. 
I said last week that they should have waited and built this out to Mania. I think this would have got lost in the mix at Mania. I think being here as that that showcase one and done match, because you know what would happen after Mania 30. There'll be backlash where we'll have the same matches again and they won't be able to top it. I think the fact that we got one and done of this match, it just signs off everything. It's the same thing as like, TV series where you wish sometimes like writers and producers would just leave it as one and done like the first series of Heroes. Yeah. Had they just left it like that, it would have been a masterpiece. I know it would have been impossible to do it, but had the first series of Lost ended when they found the hatch and they just gone, right, we're done. <gasps> What's in the hatch? <laughs> rather sure, than sure. rather than Desmond being in there. You know, it's yeah, yeah. I know you're not a film guy, but Coen brothers tend to like instead of telling like beginning, middle, end of a story, which they do with some of their films. They tend to take like a chunk of time and just tell that story. And so there is no beginning. There is no end. It's just a middle. And I really like that sometimes. It's sometimes it can be massive, massively infuriating because you now have no satisfaction. But just to take a chunk of a story and to tell it, I think it's really, really fun sometimes. It's a nice change. I Especially think to tell anything. it well. And this is what this match was. It was told Absolutely. well from start to finish. And, you know, even Rowan being the least experienced of all these people didn't look out of place I, I know we've seen him look out of place in Wyatt tags we see him later look out of place in bludgeon brothers as a wine connoisseur as, as dragons <laughs> like heater you know it's yeah but he he really came came into his own in this match really really good how good is it to see three guys that aren't all veterans none of them are vets here they're all relatively new established characters all giving each other stuff in the match, all giving each other stuff in the finish, and not needing a vet to help them, <laughs> them make money, basically. Like, this is six guys telling their own story of their own accord with almost fuck all build. It's like, can they not see how well this works and not just do a bit more of it, you know? I wonder who was in charge with booking this match. I wonder who the yeah, producer who was. If because I'm pretty sure they had some producers back in 2014 working behind the scenes, but I want, or I wonder if Triple H at this stage just said, "I know all these guys from NXT." Because in fairness, like you look at the roster, so okay, so we've got Big E on here. Titus came, I suppose Titus and Darren Young were in it, but look at this card. The majority of this this match, these six people, they're all NXT only. You know, I know we've got Tyler Black on, in, in Ring of Honor and Ambrose and, and Mox in CZ Dub. CZ Dub. Brody, yes. was, Brody was doing all right in things like, um, what was it called? Like, I'd, uh, Independent Wrestling Cartel and Pro Wrestling Gorilla as well, wasn't he? Because he, he was PWG as well, wasn't he, Brody, for part of that? Uh, I think he might have been, but he was really a Shikara guy. Had yeah. a bunch of good feuds there. But never at this level. And mm-hmm. to be able to go out and do this, brilliant. I, I yeah, suspect I they've been working quite a lot of house shows together at this stage as well. Yeah, maybe. Maybe like individual matches and stuff like that because they definitely were so good working together and so willing. Like just to just to name off a couple of the spots, I won't go through the whole thing, but like Seth getting thrown off the top rope, doing a backflip and landing on his feet. Like, excuse me? What? He got thrown across the half the way across the fucking ring. There's a, a moment where Seth's selling, getting beaten down, taking his seat, his heat in that section. He kind of comes up and there's a comeback spot. He just slaps Brody. Brody no-sells it and stiffs him back. And you're like, oh, that's fucking awesome. 
like seriously moments like that it's like oh it's just so much good stuff bro just doing his usual thing of slapping bro and <laughs> he yeah. whipped him in fucking a i love that they've adopted that kind of like i will take a little bit more control of you can like as my slightly more insane bigger brother almost you know it's, it's really really fun there's a bit where Ambrose comes in to break up a pinfall and Brody fucking decapitates him with a big boot and the oh. cell by Mox. Oh my God. He flops around like a fish, like he's dead. It's so good, man. Um, Obviously, Roman gets the big pop of the House of Fire, the hot tag, which leads to Harper and Seth doing lucha on each other. And I'm like, what yes. the fuck is going on? Like, think about how big brody is he's doing topic on helos and stuff to the outside you're like fuck so good uh, big double down off double lariats massive this is awesome chance um, this is this is before uh, roman pulled out his m- magnesium wanking glove wasn't it to get to <laughs> yeah. do superman punch yeah sure sure i love the little teases around the um the shield powerbomb through the table which eventually leads to the Wyatts giving the double chokeslam with the two big guys. Is it Seth who goes yeah. through the table? Seth is dropped. <laughs> He's not chokeslammed. He's lifted up Bruh. and gently dropped through the Spanish announce table. But do you notice how the, the Spanish announce table didn't go kind of clunk and then fall to the ground? It just completely gave way. So Seth practically took a, fat, a flat back bump off about nine foot. You're like, oh, like straight out of the concrete. Like, Jesus Christ, the wind came out of me just watching it, man. Ricardo, Ricardo Rodriguez pulled out the pin of the Spanish announce table too early and the whole thing <laughs> collapsed. <laughs> That's why Del Rio fired you. Yeah, fucking no. Well, mm. so <laughs> um, basically it breaks down to all three of the Wyatts are, are there surrounding only Roman in the ring. A really nice reversal of fortune of how the Shield used to surround guys in the ring. Oh, such a lovely moment. The Wyatts beat up Roman. The story of the match is just incredible at this point. Sister Abigail, nope, Roman powers out, just like the clip from John Cena breaking his grip. What a callback. What a moment. To be rewarded for paying attention and remembering that moment like a month ago. Oh, and and no one watches so Raw. Much. <laughs> no one watches Raw, so it's amazing. You got it. Oh, it's fucking great, man. Superman punches for everyone. Ooh, ah! Popped me for the first time in years seeing him do it. Just be like, go on, you can do it, son. Uh, spear for Harper. But Bray takes advantage with a flying back elbow. Looks fucking awesome to Roman. Bray hits the sister Abigail. Nice clean finish. One, two, three. Winners of the Wyatt family. Easy five stars. Fucking brilliant. And again, continuation of the story. So obviously, S.H.I.E.L.D. have been doing this one-upsmanship between Mox and, and, and Reigns. Roman's just taken the clean pin. So yeah. where do we go next? Who is to blame for this? Is Roman going to complain that he was left by himself to fight by himself? Wyatt's looking incredibly strong. The story of getting to the point of roman being isolated like that so he looks super fucking strong almost gets the win just to be taken out of that last second with a clean finish like that oh just sets up so much for the future they they told it so well without any bullshit you know it's oh perfect match man really really fun i'm so happy it blew away my expectations I'd go as far as saying this is probably the best 20 minutes of wrestling we've watched on this pod in a very very long time 
don't know. We had shark matches previously. <laughs> he's not a shark. Big Bob. He's a man. <laughs> oh, and the, and, and the sock full of coins. Well, yes, that is true. That is on this level. Mm, definitely. Anything else you want to say about this, or should we move on? Go and watch it on the network. Elimination Chamber 2014. As long as you're not watching it on Peacock, you'll be able to skip just to this match. Watch it. It's delightful. You thank us later. Enjoy 22 minutes of beautiful professional wrestling. Absolutely. If um, doing this run of shows is going to be a bit as tedious as it has been for the past six weeks, this show was worth it, man. Like This match, sorry, was worth it. To watch this back without kind of like, you know, too much uh with a bit of the backstory involved you know it's um yeah it's really fucking good i don't know what i'm trying to say let's move on so we're, we're over halfway through the card and we've had yeah. great opener with biggie and, and swagger an unoffensive tag match between the outlaws and the usos titan darren young are here and this amazing six man so far and again even then like because they were stiffing the shit out of each other i i i didn't dislike it obviously it wasn't something i'd go I know what I'm going to go back and watch. All the Darren Young matches. <laughs> but it, it, See if his nipples it, get slapped off again. Yeah. But it set the tone, lowered the crowd, simmered them down, ready for this <laughs> Wyatt match. I think you meant to say it had lowered the tone, but okay. Like, <laughs> I'm joking, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, I get what you're saying. If it was like Suzuki and Ishii or something, I'd be all over it, but it's not. We probably, and obviously, uh, and when I'm booking the match card, I'd go, after what we've got like backstage and all the stuff after this, I'm probably going to need a, like, a let-me-down match. So <laughs> we'll see where we get there in a second. So quick interview with Christian backstage. He's a Christian! heel acting more of a more of <laughs> There's a bit where Christian goes, I don't count the losses I've taken recently. And I'm like, can you do that, Jerry? <laughs> That's almost <laughs> like that former them. NXT wrestler when they said, didn't you just lose to this person? And this person said, so name of wrestler doesn't recall that happening yeah, <laughs> it's like exactly. just completely no selling it love it not him though let's light it up light it up light it up light it in there let's light it up <laughs> it's a wwe divas title match Ugh. of aj lee with tamina snooker defending the jizz belt <laughs> uh aj lee's the champion versus naomi question mark well you'll be glad to hear Thanks. AJ Lee heads to the ring. AJ Lee, Bret Hart's the Divas belt. She gets there. Do you notice this? She kissed yep. it goodbye almost. And I was like, is she going to drop the belt? Because <laughs> I don't think she sticks around too much longer. And I did get worried that she was going to drop it because this is what Bret always does. I don't know if I'm spoiling anything here, but when Bret Hart's going to lose a belt, he kisses it before the match. Because he wants to give it germs. Sure. But he's, he kisses the belt goodbye every time before he leaves it. Do you never notice this or is it just me? Never noticed. I, I, you always see the oh. picture of him kissing the IC belt with his like, pink shades on, kissing the belt and handing it to the referee. That's like an iconic like Brett image in my head now just thinking yeah. about it. But I'd never associate it with him losing the belt. I've never seen him kiss the belt and then retain it. Maybe I'm always just lost the belt. <laughs> I'm, think, I'm, I'm thinking like, wait, how many times have I seen Brett retain a belt? <laughs> this is not very often. <laughs> Because every match, like of like my childhood and stuff, is him losing the belts or him winning the belt, like you know WrestleMania and stuff. And then Bulldog, he loses it. I'm trying to think of a match where Brett just Brett just retained. It's very rare. Brett loses to Yoko. Kiss the belt. Yeah. 
What about Piper at WrestleMania 6, I want to say? 8. 8? Uh, Does he kiss it then? Because he retains it against Piper, doesn't he? Because they have the cool sleeper over the turnbuckle finish. Yes. I don't mm. recall. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go back and watch it and see if he kisses the belt. Because I swear to God, Brett just kisses the belt when he's going to lose it before the match. I don't know. Oh, who cares? And you've put a lot more thought into this than whoever booked this match. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> AJ Lee promo. Yeah, yeah, go, no, go ahead. AJ Lee promo. Longest reigning Divas champ of all time. Nothing to write home about. Hang on. <laughs> Did you catch the number of days? She said. Nope. Right. I think she said at this stage, I've held this title for 268 days. And later on, on commentary, Cole goes, yep, AJ's held the belt for 253 days. He's, he's nice. downplayed her 15 days. He's <laughs> got his notes from last week, you know. <laughs> AJ doesn't know who she's defending the belt against. I we mean, should mention Tamina is her heater at the moment as well. She's at ringside with, with I AJ. I mentioned that. I mentioned it earlier, motherfucker. <laughs> Did you? You have said your memory is shit. <laughs> Let's go back and rewind it. <laughs> <laughs> Classic Wayne's World stuff there. See, I know film. Fucking there you go. I'm glad you got that one. That was awesome. Uh, that's our new gimmick by the way we could do that often that's good I like that <laughs> shwing <laughs> I'm going to be serious Garth okay can I still be Garth <laughs> party on bridge party on tax <laughs> AJ doesn't know who she's defending the belt against as Naomi broke her face so isn't here to compete as a quick side so... note as well if you say AJ Lee's name like the Wyatts it sounds like AJ Lee <laughs> That's very silly. So, here comes Cameron. Yeah. Funk is on a roll. Watching Alicia Fox and Melina. Funk is on a roll. She's a talented one. Funk is on a roll. Do the splits and pin someone on their tummy. It's Cameron. <sighs> Ariane Andrews. <laughs> a multi-pattern <laughs> <Yes>. recording artist. <laughs> Fucking hell. Cameron gets some serious heat by throwing a pom-pom at AJ pre-match. And AJ goes, uh, what? <laughs> Special, isn't it? AJ loves to sell for incompetent. It was, in fairness, this, AJ did this a lot. She really didn't play well with others, not on her level, did she? Yeah, fucking A. Yeah. Understandably. Imagine being booked in this division as the champion right now. You'd be like, I think this is all a bit beneath me. I mean, just getting paid to do it, you know, it's not the end of the world, but years yeah, from now, great. Woods and Maddox will be kissing the belt in their own way. Um, oh, so, uh, AJ Lee in her mini Samoa Joe shorts tonight, half black, half blue. Notice that AJ's gonna kill you. <laughs> AJ Cam- bumps like a champ in this, to be fair. Yeah, and Cameron doesn't. <laughs> no, she fucking doesn't. She is not ready for pay-per-view. Like, not even closely ready for pay-per-view. This is pretty fucking bad. Oh, even like... Right, so the classic diva spot where they run at each other in the middle of the ring, grab the hair and does like the face slam into the into the mat. Mm-hmm. Cameron missed the hair. <laughs> yep. Oh, ouchie. Didn't even do a fucking cartwheel spring back elbow like they're always meant to do, you know? Hey, Tax does that um, Arabian handspring. Of course. <laughs> Inspired by the great leader and tradition. 
Terry Reynolds and whatever other female wrestlers did. I remember, I remember saying to Coach Wicked that I really wanted to, you know, try and recreate the Alicia Fox versus Molina match. Oh, I love it. But I couldn't yeah. do the split, so I had to leave it for Conroy. <laughs> so, um, the finish here. Um, <laughs> so they, they get to the outside. Tamina just super kicks AJ Lee. <laughs> like, to clarify... <laughs> She doesn't try to kick Cameron, and then Cameron moves, and Tamina connects with AJ. You know, like the spot was meant to go. <laughs> Tamina steps up and goes, boom! <laughs> Just super kicks AJ Lee for no fucking reason. <laughs> Looks shocked as anything. <laughs> they sell it like it was an accident. I'm like, she's a meter away. <laughs> Cameron's behind the on? Spanish announce table at this stage. <laughs> I laughed for about 10 minutes, dude. I was like, what the fuck just happened? Oh, man. This was a mess. Oh, so awful. And to top it off, the finish of the match is Tamina's looking shocked at her mistake on the outside. Tamina grabs Cameron, smashes her on the outside for a sloppy, stupid DQ win for AJ Lee. You're like, what? Okay, so we're leading into AJ Lee and Tamina having dissension, I guess. I mean, it's amazing that this is now, and six, I think it's six years ago today. Six years ago today? Yeah, six years ago today, that on the main roster, they debuted Becky Lynch, Charlotte, and Sasha Banks. All in that, Mm. we need to inject some talent. Women are being dominating Girls can too. Women are dominating sports all over the world and we've realised we've just let strippers and models in our wrestling ring. Yeah, sure. It, it took AJ Lee leaving for this to really become a thing. That was one of the main kind of like, you know, motivators, wasn't it? The whole give Divas a chance thing. Well, no, the, the, the give Divas a chance thing, I think it was in a Bella's match and I think it got 12 seconds or something stupid like that and the fans right. just shit all over it. I thought AJ leaving kind of kick that into gear at the same time because people were just so furious that she didn't get the chance or whatever. No, it's 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 down to the, the, the oh. Divas, that match, give give Divas a chance and then I think even they, whoever looks after Vince McMahon's Twitter said we hear you, keep watching or something similar to that. Mm. I thought that was Steph but who gives a shit. It's good that it's um it got better for a long time. <laughs> I would say uh, having some issues in 2021 for sure. There's not many women really that are over especially on smackdown right now like they're just randomly bringing people up and chucking them in tags and stuff and doesn't help with bailey getting injured that's going to be yeah but becky lynch to come back soon should hopefully spice things up a bit yeah. tony storm going to the main roster you know tony's phenomenal talent so hopefully they give her a chance to run with it they'll probably just call I her tony. To have some builds you know what i mean <laughs> well yeah there is that just knocks just shotzi you know it's like why can't people have two names anymore like it's weird Oh dear. AJ is still the champ. Bell to bell, that was about four minutes that match. AJ Lee! <laughs> hey! Barrett's back! <laughs> he complains <laughs> about his podium being broken. Barrett puts over the network debuting tomorrow, is it at this point? Yeah, tomorrow Monday. night. Yeah. He buries Minnesota. Blah, 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 blah. Flogging that dead horse into the ground, as I said earlier. But God damn Timberwolves. Like it, so. <laughs> <laughs> 
Santino putting over the WWE not Lego toys again. Emma is also here. Great Carly is also here. <gasps> El Torito and Los Matadors are also here. So Vince's collection of racial stereotypes and Emma all in one room. <laughs> Who am I kidding? And Mike Winnie's favourite wrestler. <laughs> sure. Batista versus Alberto Del River is up next. Uh, Batista's music is an absolute banger. Ba-na-na-na-na-ba. Until the singing bit starts, and it's just like, oh, it's a shame. I walk for miles inside this. saliva. Always, always. Nickelback wannabe. Where's Chad Kroger when you need him? He's a Nickelback still. I want to go and do the Spider Man song with him. Boom! I do like that Batista's got his machine gun back out tonight, though. That, that is good. And then he walks with the grenade. And it's like, mate, you've pulled the pin too early. <laughs> <laughs> What's with the um, the grey and orange jiu-jitsu Gracie stuff on his trunks? Like, and his little Jordan colourful booties. It's, it's a bit of a weird look for Batista. Well, you know, he's training to be MMA, wasn't he? Well, d- did he have MMA fights, didn't he, after he left? Did he have one? Did he have a fight? I seem to remember he had at least one. Let's have a look. Oh, this is all very exciting. Star MMA career. <laughs> failure, failure, failure. Was a good inspector <laughs> with this one line. The first question on Google is why did Batista quit MMA? So he did some MMA. Let's nice. find if his record is on here. So he's got one fight. He won against Vince Lucerio. TKO punches round one in four minutes. So there we go. Undefeated in the octagon. Undefeated in the cage. Batista is a legit cage fighter. Well done. And I also yep. saw that Punk's defeat to um, was it uh, is it Jackson? I can't remember his first name. That's been uh, removed from the record as a no contest now. Oh, how come? I think because uh, Jackson was doing the drugs. Uh, popped for another thing. Yeah. So um, Bertie River comes out in a neck brace with a crutch. Uh, I'm like, oh god, is he not wrestling? Because that'd be really good. But oh, unfortunately, he is. Del After Rio. Batista had done his entrance as well, we should mention that Batista was doing his posing in front of Mexican flags on the ring posts. Wait, what? So on the top of each ring post, there were two little Mexican flags on top of them oh, for what? Bertie's entrance. So when Batista was doing his oh. entrance, he was essentially posing with little Mexican flags. Oh, fair enough. Seems an odd decision. Did you, didn't Alberto Dero bring the Mexican flags with him. Isn't that a thing? Like, I thought no. it was in the past, but obviously not this time. No, yeah. they were on the turnbuckle. Sorry, they were on the ring post. Del Rio gets in the ring, slowly, cuts a promo. He's not able to compete tonight. Yay! Swerve, Alberto Del Rio attacks Batista with the crutch. Boo. Again, why is it okay that this twat doing Dragon's Yes chants can steal his gimmick, but in Spanish? Worrying thing is because people are so disinterested in... in in Big Dave, that mm. he is getting cheered with his C chance. Yeah, more towards the end of the match. The the vast majority of the match, the crowd are just like, we'll cheer the heel, boo the face. They chant Bootista, CM Punk, Y2J, RVD. We want Lesnar, we want Ziggler, Michael Cole, etc, etc, etc. It's like, there's definitely a trend around this time where fans just take over one match they're not interested in. Which is a shame um, that this includes your WrestleMania main eventer. Yeah, not great in terms of the story. I mean, again, they followed up with what we've seen the last few weeks of Raw. 
Bertie's been talking shit and now he's finally got his uh, revenge because you know remember Batista pushed Bertie into a cupboard and it hurt his neck that was the legit bully mm. don't be a bully yeah. Batista be a star be a star yeah seeing this you have to imagine this is the final nail in Batista's push headed into Wrestlemania and therefore we need to look at alternatives and you know dragons sitting right there ready to go good batista bomb hmm sure for the one two three and your winner is batista so batista is not over as a face yeah he's just not over as a face at all in 2014 there's obviously a major issue with booking him as the rumble winner to take on autumn at mania interesting to see how long they're officially going to like change it up and include dragon in the match and how long it's going to take we've got six weeks into wrestlemania now um i really don't want to talk about del rio anymore but He's generally crap in this match and doesn't act the heel enough at all. He's just does a bad job of what he's meant to be doing, to be fair. All I would say from a Del Rio in ring standpoint, his facials make you want to hit him. So he does a job there. But I think that might just be his resting face. Yeah, sure. So we get another Black History Month segment here. They've been doing this every week on Raw, obviously. Uh, correction from last week. Mark Henry did win the WWE Championship in 2012. But the footage that they used in the montage was not him winning the belt. It was from the Raw before. So I was kind of right. <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's good to make these corrections. You know, we are yeah, only sure. human. If you want to hear more of our mistakes, we've got over 100 episodes in our archive at wordofwrestlingpodcast.com where we're bound Hell to make yeah. at least one error an episode. So this Black History Month segment is about the Soul Patrol of Tony Atlas and Rocky Johnson. There's one bit that really caught me off guard in this. I don't know if you caught it, but they say Rocky Johnson was born in Canada. And I'm like, so The Rock is technically Canadian? <laughs> What's that all about, eh? Yeah. Like, I never thought of, I've never remembered this at all, like The Rock being like partly Canadian or something. He's always seemed like, you know, American Samoan or whatever. But I, I'm guessing that Rocky wasn't. No, it says he was born in Canada, so I don't know if he had a Canadian parent or something like that. But Didn't he play knows, in the Canadian Football League as well? I, I genuinely don't know. I think The Rock played in the Canadian Football League. Oh, sorry, that's right, yeah. I mean, yeah, 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 because it was in his um, biography. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, that well-known um, Canadian Samoan. Yeah. It's strange when you think of it in those terms. but The Alaskan so, uh... Island boy. <laughs> We get some more pre-show panel bullshit. It's, it's a really weird bit where Miz is acting like a face yucking it up with the other lads. And I'm like, where's your character, dude? What happened? He lost it when he didn't get on the card. Yeah, it's a strange one. Anyway, let's move on to the main event of the evening. We cut to the cage lowering music as they lower the chamber with some flashing lights behind it. And we cut to this really cool video package. Um, I would honestly say better than the opening video package. I thought this one was great. Yeah, very, very good. Again, hmm. can't fault them, unfortunately. Cannot fault them on this. There's some smashing dual championship belt graphics to introduce the match, which is our WWE World Heavyweight Championship Elimination Chamber match of Randy Orton, the current champion, versus Daniel Bryan versus Cesaro with casual racing Seb Coulter who doesn't get involved, thankfully, uh, versus John Cena versus Christian versus Sheamus. How could he get involved? The cage is locked at all times. No one can get <laughs> in, Rich. No one can get in. 
factual tax. Definitely factual. So, um, that's what they right. call me factual tax. <laughs> New gimmicks all over the shop. Um, so we'll run through some of this. I've got quite a few notes to this because, like, you know, there is quite a story that's told throughout the, the um, length of this match, but we'll try and get through it pretty quick. Um, good guy Cena gives his shirt and cap to a lad at ringside. Lovely stuff. Um, crowd pretty tepid for Cena, Christian Orton, who's the World Heavyweight Champion, by the way. So the first three lads, the crowd are kind of there, but they don't really give a shit. But then there's a really nice pop for Dragon, who comes out fourth. Not not the biggest pop in the world to start with, but by the time he's got to the ring and he's on the turnbuckle doing the yes chance, every single person in this arena is on their feet again and back up for this. I'm impressed that they've stayed with this for the whole show. Yeah, and what do you, how, how do you mean? Sorry, I was making reference to the crowd. Oh, I see what you mean. Okay, yeah. Sorry, I thought you meant like the booking or the fact that... Oh, no. Or whatever. Yeah, like there's... It, it's not the longest show in the world. It's not like, you know, the seven hours of WrestleMania, but there's been a lot happening. Like, you're a bit worn out by this point. But th- they're in it. I, and I think, yeah, again, this absolutely. goes back the the layout of the show. Great opener, not too bad tag, bit of a let-me-down let match with Titus and, and Darren Young. Brilliant six-man with the Wyatts. Let me down match for the ladies. Bertie and Big Dave, no one gives a shit. And they're mm-hmm. ready for this, as you said, this well-crafted, quite a well-booked chamber match. Do, do you agree that it takes Dragon's entrance to get them kind of back into it at this point? Well, yeah, because, you know, they've just had two matches where no one really cares that you've got the last 12 minutes of in-ring action has taken place in the last half hour of the card. So if you think you've only got like a third of the time in ring and the rest have been entrances and messing about. But that's what they're here to see. You know, Dragon's yeah. got screwed out of being in the Rumble. He got screwed out of the belt. He's been being bullied since SummerSlam. He's banged up. This is his time. So obviously people think, yes, this is going to be the time we're going to get Dragon getting the, bu- the belt back and go to Mania and wrestle Dave. It does feel like there's every other row, there's a, a yes sign or a Daniel Bryan sign as well. Like, he's seriously, seriously fucking over right now. And I just want to emphasize it because obviously that's the story of this whole narrative that we're trying to get over whether it was working, whether it wasn't working. And whatever they've decided or haven't decided at this point, Dragon is the top guy. He's the superstar. He's the baby face. You know, it's undeniable at this point for me. Bigger pop than Cena. That goes to show that he's making moves, making yeah, million dollar moves in this in this show. <laughs> Great little pop for Cesaro as well, even though he's meant to be a heel. Everyone chants along with the We the People thing. It's, a, it's an issue, but I love Cesaro so much, I don't think I really care, to be honest. <laughs> um, Cole calls Cesaro one of the hottest men in this match. And I'm like, ooh, saucy. <laughs> don't hate the player, hate the game. <laughs> but fuck all that shit. It's a shame for fame and lobster, lobster head. head. The crowd do not care at all for Sheamus, but it popped me. So That's because they've had too fun. many limes, too many limes. <laughs> One thing I realized, um, is we've talked about how the chamber isn't our favorite setup ever. It's difficult to see what's going on and the cameras to get in there and everything else. But One of the things I did like about um, the, the start kind of sequence of them getting into the cage and everything was that you, you have this kind of opportunity because they're locked in a pod for someone to come up and kind of tease them and create some tension face to face. And it's like a whole like, you're locked in your pod. I can do whatever I want right now. I can shove the belts in your face like Randy does and stuff. And 
I think that starts to build some tension going into this match that you don't necessarily get from like almost any other type of match. No, because you're essentially starting to pick up the rivalries. You're starting to pick, starting to pick up the animosity between the competitors, and mm. you want to see these people fight. And this has been the slight problem leading up to this that we've had every one of these these wrestlers in a one-on-one match with Orton leading up to it. So it's not new. It's not something we've not seen regularly. I mean, the fact we have main evented Raw with Cena Orton leading up to this, you know, it's there's nothing overly exciting. There's nothing that yeah. is there's nothing in here that I go, oh, new matchup because we've seen mm-hmm. it. Absolutely. Speaking of which, it's uh, Seamus and Claudio to start in ring. Everyone else is in their pods. The match starts in kind of a weird way, but it kind of kicks it off quite fun, I guess. Uh, Seamus seemingly gets distracted by Christian banging on one of the pods and turns around. Cesaro just attacks him and you're like, wow, off we go. Great. It's, uh, it's, it's an odd way to start the match, wouldn't you say? It's an innovative way to do it, considering no one's done it before. But actually, Christmas yeah. going, let me out. I need a wee. <laughs> <laughs> this is the um the the metal cheese grater for floor version of the chamber. Which every time someone takes a back bump on it, I'm just like, I cringe, man. It's, it looks so horrible. You'd hate. I mean, I bet the Shield couldn't believe their luck when it's like, okay, the winners of this six man go into the chamber, and the Shield, you're losing. Way yeah. <laughs> you don't have oh, to no, leave the chamber. I have to take bumps that nice soft ring. How terrible, you know. <laughs> I know it's not that soft, but you know what I mean. Compared to the chamber floor, solid steel. Fuck, man. Um, yuck, 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 yuck. Again, like with Orton, not being the biggest fan necessarily of his work up until this point, but I love him in this match. I, I think he's horrible, obnoxious teenager when he's in the pod leaning against it, taking the piss out of people, laughing at their misfortunes. And when he does get tagged in later, he's he's a good dickhead. He's, when Orton turns up, man, he is pretty damn good. His facial expressions, whether he's being snide heel, nervous heel, dickhead, which I think is just resting face. Yeah. When Orton's basically allowed to be himself, being a, a, a prick like I would imagine he could be in real life, that's when he's his best character. Yeah, definitely. So this match is obviously broken up into phases with the people getting released from the pods. We start with Cesaro and Sheamus. They just stiff the shit out of each other. Really, really fun. The next man to join them is the hero of our story, Daniel Bryan, coming Hooray! in third. <laughs> yes, chance on every strike Dragon throws. The dude is completely fucking over. Um, honestly, at this point, all I could think was I could watch Cesaro, Sheamus, and Dragon wrestle all fucking night. I love all three of them. They're all awesome. They just, yeah, it's just so much fun, dude. These three are so good. Good styles to have in the ring. Strength, yeah. skill, speed, pace, everything you want. Very, very nice. Yeah. Cesaro is the star of this match <laughs> without kind of knowing it almost, you know? We've said this so many times. It's such, such a shame they didn't push him with Heyman. Because he yeah. could have just been this absolute juggernaut. What a goddamn workhorse. Like, so there's a bit where Cesaro throws Dragon through a pod wall, which makes us question how locked in these pods the other wrestlers are. Because <laughs> it does look like you could push on the panel and it would just pop out. Like, yeah. Flimsy toy. <laughs> but uh, the next person to join Cesaro, Seamus, and Dragon is Christian. Uh, Christian takes a dragon shot, t- targets Dragon's shoulder, really goes after it. And then going back to Cesaro, there's this moment where 
he goes on what I've labelled the look at the crazy shit I can do rampage. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? That bit? Yep. Here's all the innovative stuff I can do that no one else on this roster can do. And I'm going to do it all in sequence. It's incredible. Like he's throwing people up the cage. He's jumping off the pod. He's slamming Christian into the pod, immediately catching him, chucking him back in the ring and immediately going into a pinfall. And you're like, what the fuck? He's beyond good he's so talented and so smooth like we talked last week about the lack of hesitation he has for everything he does like there's a point where he's power bombing like and just decking um seamus onto the steel and you can visibly see seamus going okay mate hold on because <laughs> he's just hitting him with so much stuff oh it's it's but not like carelessly you know what i mean it's, it's everything seems calculated and safe but effective and it's so easy to suspend your disbelief while watching Cesaro wrestle. It's and he's great. so fluid. Everything connects into into the next move. There's no wasted motion. And as you said, you said, yeah. everything's believable. I mean, I genuinely believe if he was in a, a proper fist fight, he would throw someone in the air and then uppercut them like Street Fighter 2 style. Absolutely. You feel that if he'd have gone into MMA or like, you know, badminton or whatever, he'd be a world champion at anything he chose to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see Cesaro go. I'm a world champion badminton player now. He, he totally could be though. <laughs> he wants to be a world class cricketer. He probably would be. You know, he wants to be a world class sprinter. He probably would be. <laughs> like well, he's so athletic. It's didn't ridiculous. he play rugby in Germany when he came to WWE? <laughs> of course he did. Uh, so still no eliminations at this point, and the next man in, and his name is John Cena. Yabadi. Uh, people start to show signs of desperation and the hit and finishes all over the shop now. Still no elimination. Uh, Christian forgets he's a heel at one point and starts to cheerlead. <laughs> did you get this? He's, oh, mm, yes. Mm. Yes, I, I did. I'm, up until this series, I've always thought Christian was one of the better guys. I'm starting to question this. He's I mean, not been great. Well, this is the thing, right? There's no denying he is a very, very talented wrestler. And he's, mm. considering that he's been in at this stage in WWE, obviously had his stint in TNA, but you know, we're 16 years in now, 16, 17 years from when The Brood debuted. It's just, it's now at this stage where it's like, ah, oh, there's, uh, unfortunately, I've, I've seen it all with Christian. Yeah. And that that's the thing, because he has never really evolved his character. He tweaks it in singles action when he became Captain Charisma. Obviously, he's got his Christian Cage stuff back in TNA, which was essentially Captain Charisma. There's, there's just not much to him, unfortunately. He hasn't evolved his character. You know, Sheamus has evolved over time, uh, only slightly, but like his current gimmick, that's really good. You know, Big Match John has never changed his gimmick from since he went from rap to, you know, polarizing character of Bouye. Dragon yeah. has certainly evolved since he's been there. Orton sometimes turns up, but yeah, mm. doesn't evolve. That's the problem with Christian with me. It's He's definitely capable. He's got a really good sell on him. And I think maybe the injuries are holding him back and his position in the story, because he's not the top guy. He's not the number one contender. He's not the heel. He's not even like the secondary heel. He's just like this extra guy. Like he is literally the sixth guy in this match. He's here because Punk left. It does feel a bit like that, doesn't it? And um, maybe there is an element of he's not willing to put himself out there that much because of obviously injuries. 
started to become a problem around this time frame, I believe. So maybe there's more to this than we realise, but um, yeah, I'm not enjoying his involvement very much. He seems quite safe. He does a couple of bits in this match, which are fun, but I think there's an expectation to do something special. It's a big fucking chamber match, you know? Yeah, and he does he does his two spots and that's it, and he's done. So there's a five-minute segment here where everyone punches and kicks and headbutts everyone else. It's really, really fun. Everyone's just throwing leather. Everyone's down, and the last man in, the WWE World Heavyweight Champion Randy Orton. Uh, interesting about like how he became the last man to come in. I wonder if that comes back to Haunter's tanks. I wonder. Ooh. Mm. Lots of um, abuse of authority, you could say, Tax. <laughs> oh my goodness, are you suggesting there's some kind of conspiracy? Hmm. <laughs> it's, it's nice to see the story developing. It's been a while, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Not a single elimination. Everyone is now in the match. I love this about chamber matches. I hate when people get pinned early. It really pisses me off. But I understand how it has to change and stuff. Orton gets a few boos, but then instant boring chance. But Orton then gets surrounded by everyone else. So Orton goes and hides back in his pod. And I'm like, this is a great heel move. Yeah. <laughs> Holding the pod shut, which the referee's not locking. So everyone could just walk up and open it. But no, no one goes, oh, no, he's locked himself back in. Oh, how are we, how we going to get him? Oh, it's he's bit, locked in. He's holding it's a bit slapstick suspend your disbelief, you know, like, don't a worry bit. about it. It's... <laughs> So, Seamus kicks in the side of the pod, right? And so, again, I question the legitimacy of these pod walls. You haven't even gone over Orton's facial expressions here. Because, like, Seamus turned around and the camera's on. Seamus is thinking, can I kick it? And Orton's face is, yes, you can. I mean, he's sitting there going, (laughs) like, tilts his head sideways going, what's he thinking? Oh no, oh no, oh no, 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 my expensive glass, plastic. Sure, it's super silly. So, Seamus is the one that kicks through the the wall of the pod. And I'm like, why are we using this spot to get Seamus over here? Because he's got a move where he doesn't have to run through it. He can kick it because he's got a broke kick. Yeah, I, I, I mean... That's not that's not reason why we're getting him over tax. <laughs> it's like, could we not have used this to get Cesaro, who we're building? But or... Cesaro doesn't have a finisher that's a big kick. Cesaro okay, can't you, swing you're someone just stuck through on it. this, right? Well, no. I, I, how how would you expect someone to do it? You need them to kick the glass down. You're not going to have someone spear themselves through the fake glass that no one can break. I You're mean, not going to have someone do an just... FU through it. The only one who's got a okay, legitimate right. finisher that's a kick is Seamus. Okay. So, giant swing by Cesaro to Orton for the count of 30. It's fucking awesome. Uh, Dragon with the chaos theory to Cesaro. <laughs> fucking yes. Uh, a Randy Orton superplex. Christian splash off the top of the pod. Eliminates Seamus, the first guy out. Uh, Bombayé by Dragon eliminates Christian. Cool moment where Dragon and Cena face off in the middle of the ring. Uh, what do you think about this bit? The two top faces going like, oh, hello, rival, you know? Well, they've they've had their issue back from SummerSlam, haven't they? When, um, and then Orton cashed in. So it's nice sure. to have it, again, revisiting long-term storytelling. Very concerning. Yeah. <laughs> There's definitely this bit where Dragon is like the guy taking Cena's top 
spot. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's, are you ready for this kid sort of mentality? Yeah. Sort of passing the torch that never really happens, but you know, <laughs> that kind of does, but kind of not. Because, you know, Cena. Um, FU on the metal, gr- metal grating and an SDFU from Cena eliminates Cesaro. Taps amazingly here. Like he's just about to die the way he's tapping. Oh, the sell from Cesaro. And the SDF's Brilliant. only been on for like a second and a half. Yeah, yeah. True, man. Um, uh, Cena has Orton in the STFU. Hey, are you a booker? Got no idea how to book your main event match. AJ, yep. Lee. <laughs> blackout the lights come back up i honestly at this point went oh because <laughs> i was like i was really enjoying this show up until this point but when the things happen uh i, I still enjoyed it i thought it was really fun how about you like the reaction of all three in there orton cowardly hill backs off dragon and cena line up to fight the baddies dragon takes one kick he's dead and then cena can try and fight off the wyatts until he gets absolutely destroyed and as we said you know we saw it before on monday night raw where they've attacked cena i know they've had their sidebar with with the shield but again they they're doing what gallows and ants love to do and they love to beat up john cena (laughs) i love the bit when cena's down after being beaten up by the wyatts and like slithers across the ring to pin him. Oh, so good. Not even Randy. taking his eyes off the Wyatts as he even like goes for the cover. Yeah, man. Randy's on fire tonight, man. One, two, three. Orton eliminates Cena with the help of the Wyatts. We are left with Randy Orton, the World Heavyweight Champion, and Daniel Bryan, the hero of our story. And like, I remember what happened at this point, but I'm like, oh god it would be good <laughs> and the way they get to the finish it's fucking beautiful man this is where for me daniel bryan's like ability to tell that story and to manipulate a crowd is above and beyond like almost anyone else i'd forgotten so, this finish okay so it was it was great um obviously i remember the wyatts but how we get from here to the end i was like oh yeah great <laughs> Could go over it. So Kane is out, seemingly to send the wires to the back and check on John Cena. But Dragon gives him a flying knee off the top for good measure, knocking down Kane. Bombayer lands for Dragon. We're like, oh, hang on. But Kane recovers and drags the official out at two, shitting on the finish. And you're like, oh, what a heel move. Really screwing over Dragon here. Dragon gets distracted by this. And RKO lands for the one, two, dragon kicks out the pop tax. The fucking pop of him kicking out of the RKO. Can't believe this is a WWE pay-per-view with a pop like that. Yeah, it's huge, man. Oh, Minnesota really worked it. <laughs> They're really playing along. It's great. The whole place is on its feet doing the yes chance. I do mean the whole fucking place the heat here is oh magic a uh, quick roll up by dragon immediately as the heat's still happening for the one two orton kicks the place goes fucking electric to have that quick oh shit he's gonna do it to then dragon is god level worker here at this point cheap shot by kane rko one two 
three and still your WWE World Heavyweight Champion, Randy Orton. What a great way to suck the air out of the crowd. It was a case of brilliant. (sighs) That's just what you want, though. (laughs) If you're going to put your heel champ over, this is how you do it. I I definitely. But it wasn't even a case that they got booed and the camera cuts. And in fairness, leading up to this end, like this end sequence and after Orton got the pin, Mm. in fairness to Michael Cole, boo, even though his, his tone was annoying, all the things he said at this stage at the end about how he's been screwed over since SummerSlam, he's had to face multiple matches again and again, and it's not fair. So even the fact that now Michael Cole, who has always not been an a Daniel Bryan fan from back in the days of NXT and when he came back, and even though he's a face commentator, he's always had snide remarks for Dragon. This is the first time that Michael Cole's been like, hang on a minute. He, like, and I know it's all scripted, and I know he's broken character. He's not really breaking character because it's what Vince has told him to say. But the fact that Michael Cole actually did something that I was like, hang on, Michael Cole's showing an element of faux emotion here. There's one line from Cole that really stood out to me. It's an absolutely blatant, disgusting abuse of power. And I'm like, oh, that's a line and a half. <laughs> but it, show, it shows now. He's, he's called it out. And yeah. as we, it's exactly what we said in the chamber. But yeah, that and then the the production team just going to pictures of people in the crowd like just shaking their head of oh for fuck's sake brilliant work it, brilliant absolutely work. love it this pit crowd is so just fucking pissed <laughs> i think there's a genuine belief in this crowd at this point that oh no it's not over batista against boring heel randy orton even though he's really good in this match and we're like, oh shit, <laughs> this is WrestleMania's main event. And you can really feel it from the crowd at this point. I'm sure I felt the same at the time because I was probably convinced they weren't going to include Dragon. And so there's this bit where Randy's lifting both the belts in the air and Dragon's in the middle of the ring selling the shoulder like, and selling this disappointment. It's such good storytelling because you now that we know where it goes at the time i think i was just furious <laughs> but i feel like this is the first time on this whole run of shows we've done where i really feel like i've been worked how they wanted to work me exactly it's that emotion of oh for fuck's sake we've been screwed again it's not a case of yeah. he's been screwed you could tell like the reaction it's a case of we we're a collective we're all in this together and the corporate machine has screwed us over yeah so that is the end of the show we are out of here how fucking great was minnesota tonight tax and how good was this show i loved it great fans best show we've watched of this run so far i mean the slammies were funny but the, the <laughs> yeah. in-ring quality the storytelling like fantastic opener between swagger and biggie Wyatt Shield was exceptional and a chamber match that was actually fun, like you said, keeping all the participants into everyone's out of the pods. No one likes a running, but it gave Randy Orton the opportunity to be that sneaky, cautious, slithery heel crawling over to yeah. Pin Cena. This this bit needed that amount of bullshit booking. It was great. Like sometimes you can do it. When you do it to this level where you have 
the first run in and then they kind of wander off and that gets rid of Cena which gives Cena some purpose towards the Wyatts and against Randy you have Randy beating the guy that's like his biggest rivalry especially over the last few weeks as well you also then notice have... the 50-50 booking where Randy had to get his win back over Cena of course <laughs> <laughs> then you have Dragon getting that little bit of comeuppance against like giving giving comeuppance to Kane sorry for all the shit he's done to him and surviving the entirety of that chamber match and then oh no he still gets screwed over <laughs> you know it's like that, that's, if you're gonna do a ton of bullshit booking that's the way to do it like i loved it man i really invested now it's made me hopeful for the rest of this run because up yeah. to this point we i think we've both said this has not been fun three hour roars have not been fun the rumble i mean i like the rumble match but it just was, it wasn't a good rumble match whereas now finally we've had a great show our story has now amplified in importance the fact that we've got commentators highlighting that it's unfair the fans are now fully invested in how many times dragon's been screwed and yeah looking forward to see how they're going to fuck it up on raw next week <laughs> yeah it did feel like from rumble to chamber it was like we're trying to work out what to do now because our plans have got a bit scuppered. But it does feel like they've got six weeks now to really tell us the story of Dragon coming into that main event picture. And I'm really interested to see how they're going to do it considering how it's been done so far and yeah, how we're going to get there. And that's the whole purpose of this story, you know? Yeah, because if you're watching this now as a fan and this was happening now, so your instant reaction would be right, I can't believe they're going with Batista versus Orton in the main. We're going to end up with Wyatt versus Cena. We're going to have Dragon versus Kane. Yeah. But then you've got all those other moving parts. It's like, what the hell are the Shield going to do? Where's The Undertaker? What's Triple H going to do? Where's Brock? Because we've seen him come out and say he should be challenging people, even though we know he's a scumbag. What's Del Rio doing? Because he's still quite high up in WWE at this time. How are all these stories going to fit into place? Especially, and I think I can remember where it goes, but what the hell are they going to do with the Shield come Mania? Mm. Yeah, the Wyatts too. Yeah, what are they going to do with all the involved? Well, we've, 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 we've seen it. You know, they've attacked Cena twice. So going on storyline booking, they're setting him up. They're setting up Wyatt oh. Cena for the next feud for the Wyatts, which means they've all got to go as a collective unit. So to me, at this time, this company are very capable of doing that at chamber and then not paying it off so i'm still like not convinced we're gonna get bray cena even though i believe we do i'm intrigued to see what rowan and um brody whatever are gonna do as well oh they'll just they'll, I, I don't they'll remember. Just, i'm sure they'll just be lackeys i can't imagine maybe oh, battle royal fodder waste. yeah maybe so um yeah it feels like we're in recovery mode now i'm, I'm very happy like we, we were hoping for weeks and weeks and weeks that chamber was going to be the like the turning point and it feels like it is, I'm happy to say. I'm surprised. How many yeah, cornflakes would you rate the show? So it's it's verging on a four, but if I look down the card, really it's a three. There's one good match, and there's some other stuff which is kind of inoffensive, and then the chamber's quite fun. But it's not like a great match, you know what I mean? Like it's I think it's a three. I'm going three because I'm not going to be jaded by what we've watched for the last six weeks. Because I think had yeah. we had good content, we would have again probably gone, the Shield match was really, really good. And that's probably all we would have gone. We would have appreciated the opener, but that's as far as we would have gone. Whereas I think because we've had such 
dross for six weeks. This has been a very good show. I wouldn't say if people listen going, oh yeah, I'm going to go back and watch the whole Elimination Chamber 2014. We've done it yeah, for you. Fuck no. Go back and watch <laughs> The Shield versus The Wyatts. Yeah, no way in hell would I watch this whole show back. I'm, I'm happy we watched it. Please don't oh, get and rewatch Cameron AJ. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Just to see but, the um, super kick. Just to see Tamina miss the super kick. So I'm very happy that we're now on the proper road to WrestleMania. Six episodes of Raw. Next week, we're going to be doing the Raw episode from the 24th of February, 2014. Six weeks, then WrestleMania 30. Um, let's see how they tell this story, man. I'm very interested now. I'm invested. Looking forward to it. And where can people find you and your work on social medias? You can find me on the old Twitter machine at FanboyRich and pretty much everything across WrestleTalk, Parts of Unknown, all those fun places, and Cineworld now as well. It's great. I'm at the Tex Williams on Facebook and Twitter. I've deleted my Instagram because I don't use it. So. <laughs> Fair play to you. Um, That's a uh, solid two-hour pod, so, you know, you get yeah. value for your money. Happy days. Join us next week for more as Brie enters the dragon. She fucking does. See you later, everyone. Bye-bye. The louder you guys are, the better the wrestlers will perform for you tonight. And that's why I kicked your leg out of your leg. We're tough. We can take it, baby. You got to penetrate in the back, in the back, baby. Oh, I can see what you're talking. Wait just a minute. Get it, 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 get it,